0: Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird, you made it weird, you made it weird, oh yeah. You made it weird, you made it weird, yes you did. You
1: made it weird, oh yeah. You made it weird weird. with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? This is uh, Kevin Pollock. Uh, I did his podcast a little while back, and we, we just hit it off and had such a great time. I had to get him on to make it weird, so I am excited about that. A couple things to tell you about up top. First of all, my special, Faces and Sounds, is uh, still running on HBO, and, and you can get on HBO Go and HBO Now. I hope you guys can check that out. I'm very proud of it, and I hope you like it. Also, we have a new t-shirt. It's not inspired by something that we said on the podcast. It's rather something that happened, Valerie and I uh, got stoned, and we were laughing really, really hard because I said, uh, damsels do it their damn selves. (laughs) Damsels do it their damn selves. And we were like, that's a great female empowerment, strong woman t-shirt. I have a lot of people like that in my life. I was like, this is a great gift. We had Jenny Fine, who does the art for a lot of our t-shirts, drop an amazing graphic. That is available now. If you order it today, the day that this podcast comes out, it is going to get to you in time for Christmas, if that's your thing. You can go to teespring.com slash damsels, or you can go to PeteHolmes.com and see all of the t-shirts that we've had over the years. Uh, But I'm pretty happy with that. I'm pleased with it. I bought one for Emily Gordon. I bought one for Valerie. I hope you guys like it. Check it out. Uh, We also have uh, a wonderful sponsor here, Amazon Collectibles. Um, You guys know you can get anything on Amazon, but they've extended that even further into collectibles, memorabilia, and even fine art. They have over 15 million listings for collectibles and memorabilia, talking about like rare sports items, comic books, hard-to-find comic books, autographs from various franchise shows and movies, coins, paintings, and more. Uh, this is some terminology you might not understand, but this is the way they authenticate the autographs. They got gradings from CGC, PSA, PCGS, NGC, basically legit stuff. Even the U.S. Mint and the paintings are coming direct from galleries across America. There's free shipping on select items, and you can use the promo link Amazon.com slash Nerdist. And one item of note is that they have the first comic featuring Scott Lang as Ant-Man? As a big Paul Red fan, I think you should scoop that up. I'm saying I'm a big Paul Red fan, and you should scoop it up. So, thank you, Amazon Collectibles, for your support of this podcast. I've also been uh, kind of taking some time here in the intro to do Pete's Picks, which are just products that I've discovered and I'm very passionate about. So far, we only have one. It's Charlotte's Web. It's a hemp oil that Louie Anderson got me because I was having some pain in my hand. It works so wonderful, my hand is comfortable, I can live my life, it doesn't hurt anymore. But then there were all these other wonderful benefits to it. I'm very sensitive uh, to pot, I don't smoke it very often because it can make me cloudy and basically non-functional. But it turns out that pot is made out of THC and then there's something else called CBD. Charlotte's Web is just CBD which means it's non-psychoactive. It doesn't give you that stoned or high feeling. It's just this cool, calm, alert, comfortable wave that you almost, it's very subtle, uh, it's very functional. It's, it's basically what I've been looking for because I love having agency over my brain, but I also like feeling nice. So if on, on a long plane ride, I take it, I'm just not fidgeting as much, I'm more comfortable. Before parties, I I take it sometimes as a social thing because it makes me feel good and calm. And as a result, I've been drinking far less alcohol, which is awesome because this makes me feel like what I was looking for. So I loved it so much. (laughs) I was like, okay, this is my stuff. I got in touch with them to see if we could get you guys a discount. And they were so into it. They're fans of the podcast. And they set up a website for us. If you go to CWHemp.com slash weird and use promo code you made it weird you get 10 percent off your purchase take my advice buy a bunch because i think you're gonna love it it's it's so wonderful it's non-psychoactive it's functional it's gonna make you feel great and it's completely legal but uh it it ships legally to 50 all 50 states but they're not like it's kind of taboo so they can't advertise on like twitter or facebook but i'm like podcasts will get the word out and so far, people have already been telling me how much they love it. So check out Charlotte's web, slash weird uh, Get into that. And we have another wonderful new, po- uh, another new wonderful podcast supporter. I don't know if you guys know that I'm a big fun sock person. A little fun secret you keep under your slacks. Uh, Well, we have foot cardigan to the rescue, and I know we've all been there at some point or another. It's just gotten away from you, your holiday list. Maybe you drank too much eggnog, you lost track of time. Oh, no, it's already mid-December, and you've blown it in the gift-giving department. Don't be that person. Don't be a holiday ruiner. Instead, give the gift of foot cardigan to everyone on your list this year. Why? Because everyone loves good, fun socks. Good, fun, socks. It's the best gift you could give. Foot Cardigan delivers fun socks right to your mailbox, ensuring the delivery of joy and fuzziness to men, women, and kids all over the world every month. And the best part, you don't have to choose them. I love them. Nobody wants to choose socks. You want to have cool socks. So every month, you get a surprise, and surprises are the greatest. So starting at just 9 bucks a month, Foot Cardigan socks are a fantastic holiday or any day gift. You could even buy your own feet a subscription because there's no shame in treating yourself. So do that. That's what I did. Maybe you've seen these guys on ABC Shark Tank. Either way, if you love cool, fun socks like I do, and you don't want to waste your time looking at socks, is there anything sadder than that? Get into Foot Cardigan. I love these guys, and they're giving us 10% off your purchase with coupon code WEIRD. That's footcardigan.com, and enter promo code WEIRD at checkout for 10% off. All right, guys. That was a lot, but I got a lot to talk about. (laughs) Thank you, Amazon Collectibles. Thank you, Charlotte's Web, cwhump.com slash weird. And thank you, Foot Cardigan. Damsels do it their damn selves at penhomes.com. Watch my special. Boy, boy, come on. Let's get to Kevin Pollack. It's so good. Get into it. Hello. Listening to Louis Anderson. Louie about his prayers. Louie. So you're about 40 minutes in. How hey. Nice How to see you? you. This is the. It must yeah. Be. I mean, you too. It's nice to see you. This is me. Yeah, if you don't mind, I mean.
2: Well, I do and I don't.
1: <laughs> you are a salty dog. I've known that about you <laughs> since the day we met, not too long ago. Not too long ago. Well, this is only the third time we've are we ever jumping chatted. In? Is this the thing yeah. already? Do you want to do an intro? I don't. It's your show, sir. But uh, <laughs> are you relinquishing
2: power already? Yeah. I just lay down. Then, yeah. Uh, will you do it later?
1: Or can I be witness to this intro? No, yeah, no, there's no intro. Oh, good. You just start. When I did your uh, podcast, which I loved very much, why don't we play it? What's it called? It's called the Kevin Pollock Kevin Pollock's Chat Show. Chat Show. Sure. Chat Show. Yeah, yeah. Did you have any names that you wanted that were, like, taken? Larry Pollock's Chat Show. Oh, you are a funny man. <laughs> They Not funny enough funny. to get a laugh, but an acknowledgement. No, it's it's trans laugh. You know, it's beyond laughter. I had a few a couple <laughs> of deep very lucky occasions
2: to work with Steve Martin who told me that one of the many things he uh, bestowed upon me knowledge wise was um the sort of round table of comedians. There was Groucho Marx, there was uh um Lenny Geor- Marx. George uh, uh what was it? Uh George Burns. And all these comics of that day yes. the way we sit around in podcasts. So they would sit around and you know, have lunch and spritz. And then when someone said something Spritz, you mean
1: like sit in a sauna? No. That's Schwitz. Yeah, that's Spritz. Spritz
2: Spritz is just uh drinking uh, bubbly water uh, <laughs> outside of a sauna? Another version would be schmoozing. Schmoozing. Uh, kibitzing. A lot of Yiddish. lot of Yiddish. <laughs> there's a lot of Yiddish yeah. coming at me right yeah. now. <laughs>
0: uh,
2: talking in kind and making each other laugh. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Just for the pure joy of it, not... Of each other's company. Yeah. And also, uh, I, I think one of the reasons I host a weekly poker... Well, one of the, clearly one of the reasons I host a weekly poker game, other than watch the money revolve around the table on a weekly <laughs> basis. Here, you hold it. Yeah, yeah. Because nobody, <laughs> nobody wins or loses every week.
1: Take know? this for a shift. Yeah,
2: I'll take it next week. Yeah uh is the social gathering of of nine people sitting around a table I love for my... 6 hours. Yeah. I mean other than a poker game, a friend of mine at the game recently pointed out uh, my best friend since I'm 12, I we don't spend this kind of time together. Yeah. Uh so at the round table of it's George so Burns lovely. and 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 those people, George uh uh yeah them. They when someone said something funny, the way you gave me an acknowledging yeah. face yeah. more than a laugh. They would tap the table with two
1: fingers <laughs> that was there was a physical acknowledgement. I had dinner with a lady who, when I made her laugh she, uh, she tapped the table she was she was a guest on this podcast actually Sarah Watkins, wonderful musician. We were out with her, and when she would laugh, especially if she had food in her mouth, she would aggressively fork the salad in that sort of like, (laughs) fork, fork, fork. I'm like, I got a three-fork laugh out of Sarah. Uh, Yeah. So that's sort of, I love it. You're right. I also just love any, I love what you said, any excuse to get together. Yes. That's, I'm sure people wonder why you do a podcast. You don't need a podcast. You're a very successful working actor. (laughs) Well, seven and a half years ago. (laughs) I don't want to just, you know what I mean.
2: Seven and a half years ago when I started it, or March will be eight years, so I don't know what that time is. Oh, I had a, Uh, Are you one of those machete in each hand when we started? Yeah, you bushwhacked
1: all the way up to the top. It was
2: about well, (laughs) well. uh, There's a reason the name of the only book I wrote was "How I Slept My Way to the Middle." Um, (laughs) I had a machete in each hand, and uh, uh, you know, you know, there were a few. Certainly, Nerdist was around. Mark Marin started after us. Most did, but you know, it was a way to jump into this space and feel relevant. For sure. That's truly what it
1: was about. Oh, you mean with the technological side? Yeah, I mean, I joined Twitter uh, shortly before that, which seemed ridiculous. Isn't it weird that we have to, like, it's like effort. You have to make an effort. I make a concerted effort. Sure. I'll play the latest video game and stuff like that, and for sure, I'll enjoy it. But there's also part of me that's like, I have to do this. I can't have children that are like, put on this helmet, and I put it on, and I have a panic attack. I need to stay. My fiancé
2: and I went to see Hamilton the musical. How to much did see- she
1: drop for that? I'm just kidding.
2: How much did I drop?
1: Yeah, how much were the tickets?
2: Oh, for Hamilton.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, you don't have to tell me. It's grotesque. It was
2: 2400 for That's two a lot. tickets. a Well, it was also third row and great. Wow. Because no one told me of all the idiots who yelled at me to go see it. No one said, it's a really small house. There are no bad seats. Yeah. You can sit in the balcony and uh-huh. still be
1: 40 feet from the stage. You know who was there when I went and saw it? Trump my Larry David, I dare you. Trump my Larry David. I'm I'm about to trump your Excellent. Larry David. Please with Hillary and Bill Clinton.
2: Did you g- speak with them at all? No. Well, <laughs> then I'm going to put it back on me and Larry David. No, no. Uh,
1: <laughs> no you can't a, Trump a, Bill a chat, and Hillary. A chat with Larry David. Well, I enjoyed. Is about as good as seeing the back of Bill and Clinton I mean, and Hillary. <laughs> yeah, I very much enjoyed um,
2: my conversation with Larry because I. First of all, let me backtrack. My fiancé and I went to see fiance. Hamilton so that we could shut up our friends who were yelling Telling in our faces you that you had to, go see, to it. go see it. because That's why I saw it. When we hadn't seen it and we said, we have no interest, it's not our cup of tea, we don't give a shit. Now you can say. They said, but you haven't seen it so you don't know. Right. So then we, could, we went to see it knowing we would say, it was fine and I don't give a shit. Kevin, yes.
1: I'm the other person. You've been wandering the earth looking for the other person. <laughs> Like-minded? There was like, I I admit that it's phenomenal. Do Absolutely. You yeah! Astonishing accomplishment. Astonishing accomplishment. <laughs> my hat is off. What it was in my mind uh, was different. I, I was expecting something different, and then I was like, oh, it's a musical. They, they, like it, it hit me <laughs> That's right. five minutes in, five minutes yeah. in, yeah. when people were like, how does it start? Are you a Hamilton fan? I it starts with like 1776 yeah. and yeah, like humorless. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like humorless yeah, yeah, in that guileless way. Yes. And it's just a musical. It's, yes. it's a great musical. That's right. But I was like, oh no, I don't like musicals. And I'm not one of those people that is just kind of like, I don't like musicals because it's like... Like Sam Levine. Is Sam Levine Sam one Levine of those guys? I I don't go see musicals. Is he here? He could be in the room. <laughs> he's
2: it's always a, in the room. It's a small joke. he's It's always a small in the- <laughs> person
1: joke. He could be hiding in any cup of water. Yep. He's a small man. Uh, is he one of those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I resent the shallow, uninvestigated staunch. I don't like musical position. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. I don't like that. Like, I have people in my family that are like, ah, I don't like fucking musicals. I'm fine. with musicals. I've given them a million tries, and I'm fine with. Them. I'm That's fine with better. Them. I'm fine with them. <laughs> yeah, I much prefer a drama on stage or a comedy. Yeah. Um, I would rather watch the the quote unquote boring like uh, like not even Death of a Salesman that's a that's a that's a crowd pleaser right. Death of a Salesman but something like this is a Russian interpretation I'd rather watch a, a However, haggard man drinking and yeah, yelling oh yes. at his old wife I'd watch Eugene that Gene O'Neill for sure yeah I'd watch that all day. Yeah.
2: But I will say though, yes, Book of Mormon, my favorite. Kevin, theater put experience. your hand in here.
1: Put your hand in here. Favorite theater experience. Put Bar your none. hand in here. You already did it. Bar none. You, I wish Val were here. You're saying to me everything I said because when we left, yeah, and we, we spent a lot of money too, and we left, and I was like, uh, I liked Book of Mormon fifty times more.
2: Yeah, there was because no way for me to quantify, but yeah,
1: Hamilton. Look. Lynn Manuel, please come on the podcast. You're a genius. I, I admire you. You're amazing. I'm You're sure he knows this, it. by the way. Yes, he's fine. He's not <laughs> yeah, waiting to yeah. hear what Pete thinks about <laughs> it. What do you mean, Pollock? Booms didn't like Right. That. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Go yeah, yeah, take yeah. a bath in yeah. cash. You'll be fine. <laughs> and esteem. You're fine. Sure. But, uh, the way that Hamilton was funny to me mm. was musical funny. And the way book of Mormon was funny to me was comedian funny.
2: It was early Mel Brooks. Funny. It was yeah. what's happening.
1: Yeah. You can't do that. And winning people over looking left, looking right, blue hairs, yes. children, everyone going, 80 year old man <gasps> next to me,
2: losing his mind. In and Latin.
1: Kevin like, I'm a comedian and I, and I Lot, mean this yeah. in a good way. I was offended in that way that sometimes offense can make you go, like seeing a bearded lady or yes. a guy who fuck a snake. Sure. I was gonna kind of like, oh, wait, what give me is a happening? moment with the
2: guy fucking a snake because I see the snake fucking a guy, but I'm just trying to. Uh, so, so at intermission, I went over to say hello to Larry David because we know each other a little bit. Yeah, uh, he was on the chat show. He appeared in my my documentary. Blah blah blah. Whatever.
1: What was your documentary? The time I met Larry David? Yes. <laughs> it just shot on your iPhone? <laughs> me and Larry.
2: Larry! <laughs> that's right. That's all <laughs> it is. Um, Roger and me, but it's Larry David. Yeah, I understand. I uh, never actually meet him. Uh, <laughs> so I went to him for the an admission, and um, he was sitting there with an age-appropriate uh, woman. And Is that um, right? a date. Not I age I say that only because my better half who you met during the podcast is yeah. considerably not age appropriate. Yeah. She's 34 but she can do the math problems of a 40 year old. Let me <laughs> just put it that way. Uh <laughs> she's very very uh, brilliant. She's the brains of the outfit for sure. Sure, sure, sure. Um so I I was well, I said uh uh, uh uh first of all I said uh how are things going? Good. He said and I said, this, this, uh, this, he'd done Bernie Sanders like three times on SNL at that point. Yeah. And I said, so the Bernie Sanders thing is fun. He said, you know what? I don't care for it. I said, <laughs> what do you mean? He said, everything I've done. Seinfeld, Curb, now it's just hey Bernie! You know,
1: in the lobby here before the show started. <laughs> hey Bernie! Uh, you know what? I'm done with it. He I did it in it. reverse. Yes, he did. He did his Mork and Mindy, in and works. then he did, you know, you're supposed to do Mork yes. and then Goodwill. He did Goodwill right. and then he did Mork. Yeah. Now he's getting, hey Mork! Yeah, exactly. So, That's I said so are you
2: enjoying the, the musical? This is an intermission, halftime, whatever. And oh my he God. says, uh... Well, I'll tell you, uh... Uh... It took me. It took me about ten minutes. Uh, I said to give a shit about anyone, <laughs> 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 and he did that so very David laugh that I've just now done for the very first time, <laughs> and it's flawless. That is flawless. Uh, <laughs> oh, stop! <laughs> Anyways, he laughed uncontrollably, and I had hadn't really thought yeah. th- thought that yes. feeling until I until I articulated it. But yeah. yeah, it took me about 10 minutes to give a shit about anyone. And when people really sang, it was beautiful and exceptional. The guy who played the king, the king. was fucking the king. hilarious and okay. the show. Okay, okay, okay.
1: Yeah. If you're gonna do it, do it. And if you're gonna uh, come at me with... I, I like hip-hop. I like rap very much. I, I wasn't... I felt like an old person. I was like, I'm not hearing it clearly enough. I wasn't. A friend of mine said, get the headphones. I said, I'm not going to be that puss. He said, it's not a matter of
2: being able to hear. You want to understand, get the fucking headphones.
1: And then people, this is not the fault of the musical, but people were cheering in a way that I was like, I can't hear the opening bars of this performance because they're like, woo! yeah. Like know. shut the fuck up! This was thousands of dollars. <laughs> shut is. up! I want everyone to sit here there very he quietly. Is. There he is. And there's children who That's I know didn't funny. buy their own tickets, and That's they're screaming, funny. ruining. it. It's not it like for- when
2: Bert Reynolds walks out on a live taping of I Love Lucy. Stop <laughs> applauding when someone makes an entrance. That's
1: right. That's <laughs> yes. right. We don't need it. Yeah. But I, uh, there were moments that were great in the rap battles. I sure, thought. sure. But those were too f- few and far between. I thought the whole show was going to be like- okay. The guy, spoiler. The guy. You could read this in the history book. his He loses family members. And I'm like, where is the Eminem-esque, passionate, almost like scream rap? You know mm. what I mean? Where it's like, you're really feeling, you could not speak a word of English and you know this guy's mourning and he's in pain and he's losing his mind. And instead, in moments like that, they didn't really go the hard rap route. Mm. The rap was more like... Um, Mr. Hamilton here to say I'm wearing a funny coat and I wear this hair. You know what I mean? I'm not saying it was all weak. Oh, but yes, it, you ah, are. <laughs> <laughs> but it didn't punch me in the balls. I wanted to be punched in the balls. Sure. But in its defense, I was like, they're making a musical. That's what I'm saying. They're making right. a goddamn musical. Right, right, They want to make millions. They want to fill seats. Yes. The show that I would like right. wouldn't be as commercially successful at all. Yeah. Like the way that they're kind of like, oh, you're a real sucker, mother. Who? I'm like, same motherfucker. Yeah, really. Did Say you not see Book of Mormon? Yeah, exactly! Exactly! <laughs> I'm yeah. so excited. I've been waiting to have yeah, this conversation. The fetus
2: has diarrhea in Book of Mormon. Maybe you want to... <laughs> yeah,
1: there's a song called Fuck You, God, in Book of Mormon. Yes, there you is. You can do it. <laughs> yes, it felt yeah. like a step back. I hate Les Mis, I hate big groups. I hate epics. Mm. I'm, I'm wrong. For the people listening, the millions, because I swear I haven't found anyone like you. <laughs> there is no one I've I been able to talk about that this with.
2: Assume there are millions listening,
1: but <laughs> but I but that's what we do. We give and then we take a little. Uh, uh, but to the people that love it, I completely get it. You're not wrong. Of course not. They're not just. Yeah, and just this not isn't for me.
2: This isn't even being counter culture. This isn't even. It's such a hit that I look the other way. Right. I give everything a chance. Please,
1: please knock me out and blow
2: it. my mind. I wanted yeah. to
1: love it.
2: Yeah, I yeah. do that all the time. I didn't want to love it necessarily because I knew I wouldn't. <laughs> so I didn't go in with a closed mind. You I knew, I went in with fun. an intelligent mind, which is, unlike yourself, I, ha- I didn't have uh, a rap, music, or hip-hop as a part of my musical upbringing because yeah. I'm 107. So consequently, <laughs> when it came about, I said... You know, uh, this, this isn't for me. It isn't the, the sort of melody and the version of music that I personally enjoy. Oh, so you're,
1: you're one step further. You're like, I don't even like...
2: That's exactly right.
1: I'm excited when they start rapping. And I'm like, please rap for five minutes. And, right. and who is the, the guy? I forget some of the names. The actor's names? There's like a real standout role. It's not Hamilton. I want to say it's Jefferson.
2: It could easily be Jefferson. There's a Washington, there's a Jefferson.
1: In, my, in the one I saw, there was a very tall, almost Buster Rhymes like uh, tall black guy with mm-hmm. dreads that fucking crush. Kills. And there, there are numbers that crush. Yes. Now I'm revising, but I'm just saying I'm still sitting there going, it's Lame Is. It's, 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 a, it's a musical. It's, La- in, it's not Book of More. I wanted it to be Book of More. It's a
2: costume musical. It's a costume musical. But I will say this. What I knew I would love – You're again, running out
1: of time. And again, I
2: did love <laughs> was the history lesson for the funny boy Putz who sat in the classroom and paid no attention yeah, in school I know. because the teachers were bored. And Isn't... guess what? So was
1: I. Yeah, I found the story yeah. exhilarating. What happened, Kevin? When did that happen for you? Because for me – Pretty early. Uh, pretty early? Yeah. I, that you started liking learning?
2: Started not liking learning because the teachers were bored.
1: But when did you become an oh, adult because
2: here we are – When I had a teacher who gave a shit. So my English teacher who taught for just one semester, Samuel Clemens. We're just going to read the early writings of what would become Mark Twain. But we're just going to read Samuel Clemens where I learned what the subtleties of sarcasm mm. and the sardonic uh, verbiage was mm-hmm. and social satire wasn't a part of the 17-year-old life. Mm -hmm. I have a theory that, you know, when you do these live shows and they say, well, there's going to be some people there in mid-teens, 16, 17, they don't understand sarcasm as a generalization. It's not a part of their vernacular. I would love to talk about this
1: because I actually have a bit about, uh, it's called Fuck Sarcasm, and I don't don't think most people, and I would actually, I'm being sincere, I want your help in understanding it because what we have on our hands is an epidemic of uh, cheap sarcasm. Yeah.
2: Bad. Yeah. Low
1: grade. Low octane. Dismissive. Dismissive. Chandler inspired, but not even done as well as Friends. <laughs> Bullshit. Yeah. People think they're funny. They claim. Yeah. A sense of humor. Right. Because if I make a burrito or I buy a burrito and I take a bite and the bottom falls out, someone goes, "That was a good purchase." <laughs> that's or blank much yeah right spill much right. thank you <laughs> this is what passes oh is that robin williams over the shut the fuck up <laughs> You see it in Twitter bios. Sarcasm is one of the many services I offer. You see it on dumbasses' Instagrams. Yeah. It's like, most people are made of water. I'm made of 90% sarcasm. Yeah. Are you, Dale? Ha- or are you in the fucking way? <laughs> You're in the way. Don't tell me what you hate. Tell me what you love. Make yes. me laugh with something yes. incredible. Yeah. Not just like, mm, could, it, could it turn on the heat in here? It's not quite hot enough. <laughs> Shut up. That is nothing. Yeah you've said the opposite of what you thought and that's not a joke and I'm offended as a human and a comedian more as a comedian certainly (laughs) I guess, I mean maybe this is how people felt about like Pollock or photography as a whole the master painters being like how dare you have this shortcut and you think you're an artist Yeah. what do you think about sarcasm? teach me, because Mark Twain says something like uh, you ever meet a baboon a real moron or a member of congress but I repeat myself Like, is that what we're talking about?
2: Well, that's wordplay. Yeah, wordplay.
1: I really do need help. Help me with the semantics.
2: Sure, sure, sure. Well, I, I enjoy inventive writing and cleverness mm. uh, uh, very, very much. Um, I find that the sarcasm you described to be uh, annoyingly pedestrian and, <laughs> and uh, permeates society and has, has kept in line the pedestrian sort of uh, antics – Mm-hmm. The, the, it, it's made, um, it takes all the pressure off pun is uh, lazy writing. Right. Puns. Yeah. This sort of level of sarcasm that you're is with. Is on a pun level, is that what you're saying? Lower. Yeah. I'm uh, now lower saying than that it's, it's taken all the pressure off of puns. Would you say
1: it's punder puns? Okay. Uh,
2: I, mean, I am. I would say uh, okay. it's wildly. So it's, it's why
1: I punder them. Okay,
2: we're having fun. <laughs> yeah. No, well, you're so <laughs> having fun. <puns. laughs> and you're 3.2 million listeners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I ran the numbers before <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah,
1: so what's so, good sarcasm? So, so um, well, because I know there is. I know it's fun. It's great. Um, I, I suppose it's a matter of definition,
2: right? Mm. Because the satire—I'm more interested in satire necessarily than. But when sarcasm is used as a tool within social satire mm-hmm. then i find it interesting
1: can you give me an example of so that when i was on
2: stage him, over the weekend it was the first this last weekend it was the first weekend after the election and i was in it was in uh, in, in the center of the country uh uh Jacob. someone who got apparently 24 percent of the vote of the country is that true yeah well ha- half of the population didn't vote and then the big argument is yeah but a lot of them aren't registered half of the population didn't vote <laughs> And he got of the other half about twenty four percent.
1: So she got about twenty four percent.
2: No, five. no, she got the largest margin. Oh, of the popular vote. I great, thought it was close. You're greater than none of this matters. I've taken a. Break. I'm a math
1: guy. Yeah, are you really? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, technically. No. Oh. Good um, thing your
1: girlfriend can do the math problem.
2: Well, they they <laughs> that's right. That's why I love her. Yeah, she's the first Italian I
1: met who had better math than a Jew. are was known to be good at math? I don't know. I know but you're I mean. always counting your money. I'm <laughs> sorry. Come on. Well, no, we're gonna... in a post-Trump America, by the way. A Trump America being casually like that, like, oh, I'm just joking. You're my Jewish friend, and I'm making a. G- you know, weirdly, it I, feels not as. Good I was though. listening to the like Louis it. thing, and you guys
2: backpedaled on gyps and I I do I did feel like one of the worst things that can happen to any uh, cre- the word gyp. creative writer is to be gypped. No. The worst thing <laughs> that can happen to any creative writer is to feel uh, they have to be politically correct. To me, it's always about intent, right? So Cosby uh, intended to rape those women. That's intention. Yeah. He's a sociopath. Um, when I say, kike, it's acceptable if you know that I'm a Jew. But the truth is, what you know is what my intention right. is. Right. So when someone says that guy Jewed me down uh for real and 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 i i i'm paused to ask you're aware that that's offensive to jews and and if the intention is i am aware right right that's as bad opposed intention. as saying uh, that've ne- never been around a, a jewish people right. who would say maybe not so much When my Which father is why Egypt,
1: orders chocolate uh, sprinkles and calls them jimmies he doesn't know it's from the jim crow laws and it's like little blocks. i didn't know yeah, that, that until this one. moment so, so the intent so again you just intent,
2: some jimmies so intention in fact if i say i'd like some jimmies and there's uh a person of color next to me and says you know that's from the i would say Same. no no i didn't know can yeah. i have less jimmies on the <laughs> Because, again, my intention, even in repeating well, in repeating it is to be funny, yeah, but yeah, my yeah. intention yeah. isn't to be offensive right, in right. any way, shape, or form.
1: Well, we talked about this when I did your show. I loved this conversation. Mm. Everything's on the record a little bit more. Even when I'm talking— All the
2: more reason not to apologize. I hear you. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's, it's more maybe impactful to not apologize. Mm, yeah. Because you're like, hey— no my intent is a better uh, phrasing than i'm sorry
2: is that yeah, I'm so i'm trying to look at the bright side of of our new uh f- fearless leader <laughs> never has that been more obvious that he's uh, fearless oh yeah <laughs> uh, uh, uh you know i'm gonna i'm gonna make a prediction on your show maybe it's already been predicted please a thousand times over a, like, on than other shows How has it been, been predicted, predicted uh. um that uh <laughs> that donald trump will resign Within the first two years of office. Really? Yes. I think he ran out of ego. I think he ran out of uh, I can do this. I think he ran to mock everybody. I think he ran to better his brand. I think he ran because he's truly egomaniacal.
1: This is, the, truly he wants ego- maniacal. This is a, an extension kind of of the he wants to lose, he wants to start a TV network.
2: Oh, no. I didn't think he wanted to lose. I thought he wanted to win for sure. Okay. Because winning was what it was all about. Yeah. Um, He didn't believe anything he was saying, which we're now realizing as he's saying Obamacare is fine. We're going to make some fixes. Of course, I'm not going to actually build a wall. Um, uh, whatever he's saying, you know, it's going to change from week to week because now, even though he wasn't until now, he's a politician. A boring, he's going to start talking just, and acting.
1: Yeah, You got a table at the white Table, tablecloth. Right. Fucking table. It's so dull.
2: His plane is better than Air Force One.
1: You understand <laughs> that, right? So he's going to, I don't want to
2: get on that plane. We're going to take mine. You know he's going to spend half his time in New York. He's already said because he hates Washington. He he's saying that? these things <laughs> half the time. I'm going to be at a big my version of the White House. It'll the be gold, gold House. It'll be gold. <laughs> the yeah, Gold of course. House. Yeah. It'll be, t- technically, it'll be rose gold. Yeah. But uh, so so Interesting I think prediction. I but do you think, think that he's would... going to become bored with the whole thing. I honestly and truly do. Lord. Yeah, because the power of it is intoxicating to a guy like that. The the routine I was doing until the election happened was. Rather than talking about either side, I chose to talk about, I no longer trust the person, the individual, who wakes up one morning, looks in the mirror and says, I should be the leader of the free will. You know, you have to look into a reflecting device of some kind and make that declaration first before you then go to your better
1: half. You're saying whoever it is, it's kind of absurd?
2: that ego, yeah. I don't know that I trust that, that someone feels qualified. Right, I should be the leader. Of the, so that was my outrage in terms of how to make it funny. And then this <laughs> last weekend I was saying who's the most upset? Because there's a lot of people upset. There's protests everywhere. Yeah. A lot of people very, very happy, of course. But there's hundreds of thousands of people protesting. Um, technically a little too late, But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but God bless you. Uh, so, but who is the most upset? The obvious answer is Hillary, right, but I think there's a not so obvious answer, and that answer is Bill. I think Bill Clinton <laughs> is the most upset because I think he was really looking forward to get back in that house. I just love that toilet. with no responsibility ah! right. <laughs> Hey Johnny! Hey, It's uh, just the chefs. He's gonna call Johnny in the kitchen. Johnny, it's Bill. Hey, buddy, it's been a while. Hey, can't believe you're still doing this. You still remember how to make Dijon? No, AIDS? I'm in my PJs. Listen, yeah, and then also leaving voice messages on on trump's machine Uh, hey donnie it's bill listen uh hill's piss Ooh, boy uh but anyways i know you remember uh the kind of trouble we got into in the 90s so if you need a wingman give me a call anyways i know you're busy we'll talk later and then trust me i know and then seven minutes later in my act i would just became a runner Uh, dude hey donnie it's bill again I think I left some shit in the Jackson, or Jefferson room. If you could,
1: uh, if I could just poke my head in for uh, a couple of minutes.
2: Bill,
0: yeah.
1: Bill can you imagine yeah. having been the president yeah. and then going back and being the first husband? Well, that's a movie. I mean, that, that's that's got to be that written, is. I mean, right? it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, imagine no just. Way. No, I know you do stuff. You do stuff. Right. Michelle did stuff. You know what I mean? Uh, but you know, I have to think, and there's then treating more... those. Uh, More time to make a sandwich. Mildly
2: important events that the first lady or gentleman goes to. Yeah. And then Bill would treat them overly important. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Give yeah, great yeah. reverence to right. this bowling alley means a great deal to the people of Akron. <laughs> right. I realize that. <laughs> um Anyways, this is my way of saying I haven't learned to do Trump yet. Uh, um, <laughs> where
1: were we? Who knows? Who cares? So,
2: so yes. Yeah, you were so. also
1: talking about intent and politically correct. Yeah, so, yeah. I was saying that everybody, because everything's on the record, right? Mm. This is a, what yes. I said on your show. Yes. Is there something tricky going on when, I always think, picture it's 1979. Give me a moment. I was there. Yep. And you're walking around Amsterdam, and uh, it's dark, Amsterdam. late at night, and you duck into like a, 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 a kind of a cliche smoke-filled nightclub, mm. and on stage, this tiny makeshift stage, and people are drinking absinthe, you're drinking absinthe, Ooh. people are passing around enjoying who fucking knows, and there's a comedy show, and on stage comes some weird Lenny Bruce, uh, um, Doug Stanhope type wow. comedian. Okay? I'm just, first of all, let me focus on the chasm between those two people. Uh, and, I, you know and, what I'm saying? And regard. I, that, that was very well put. I'm just saying yeah, somebody who goes up who is not too concerned with being uh, not offensive. You know what I'm saying? Okay, great. So you're there. You didn't even know there was a comedy show. And this guy goes up and he says stuff. And this is the phenomenon I experience when I watch Bill Burr, whom I love. Mm-hmm. Maybe my favorite comedian. Yeah. They're saying things that you do not agree with, yet you're howling laughing. Yeah. There's this weird, it's behind your like You're not agreeing. No. You might even have a piece of your mind that you want to give this person were you in that sort of world, but you're not. 'cause it's nineteen seventy nine and you're in Amsterdam. Are you
2: saying you're laughing because it's so offensive? No, 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 not even.
1: You're just you're just you can't you're having believe a hell of a time.
2: Or what he's saying is articulated both. Yeah. It's both. Yeah.
1: You're you're shocked a little bit of the fuck God song in Book of Mormon, mm-hmm. bearded lady phenomenon. But also you're just like, holy shit, this guy's hilarious. Yeah. Then you leave what you never talk? You might be like, "Huh." Oh. You might tell your friend, "I saw this guy. it was crazy. It yeah. was so offensive. I was crying." First, laughter. I would
2: tell them I was drinking absinthe because yeah. that it... would blow their minds more. <laughs> but go ahead.
1: Do you understand what I'm saying? It was yep. this isolated event. Yeah. And herein, we found expression of the grotesque. This is a need. This is a real human need. Yes. The shadow self. Sure. Needs to be fed. Yes. This is why we have Halloween. This is why we have horror movies. Right. This is why we have even pornography. Sure, it, it's hungry too. It's a part of us. We keep it in check, yeah. but it needs expression. And sometimes you find it in unlikely places. Yes. Roasts are a great. I just did the roast battle at the comedy store. I love giving it to my friends under in a guise, and not a guy's... in a ceremony of respect. And a certain hmm. code of ethics. Mm-hmm. But you're really being mean to Anthony Jessenlick. And he's really being mean to me. And I'm being mean to Jeff Ross. And he's being mean to me. It's fun. Here's what happens now. Yeah, It's now 2016. There's a video clip of this man. The Lenny Bruce okay. chasm. That's right. Doug Stanhope. You watch it online. Maybe you're at home and you're having uh, – it's not about alcohol. I'm just saying you're at home and you're relaxing and you're private and you like it. Somebody puts it on your Facebook page and you click like. You know what I mean? Any comment? This is insane! Ha ha! LOL. Next day, you're, you that's nighttime you, and then daytime you has to deal with the ramifications of nighttime you. Mm-hmm. Now you're at your office, right? Now it's neon light. Now it's bright, and your your boss in a cornflower two uh, cornflower blue tie comes in and was like, "Can I talk to you about what was on your page? That's hateful speech and that's inappropriate." You're goddamn right. It is. It is. And It's part of the human experience. I'm not saying it should be louded and be like let's ha- let's say whatever. But I'm saying there needs to be times when we watch a horror movie where someone's head is cut off. Mm-hmm. We understand that
2: inappropriate.
1: And there's and there needs to be art. Yeah, that is offensive. Quote unquote offensive. Yeah, that's part of it. That's what like. Uh, performance art going into a room and there's just a guy covered in his own feces and he screams get out at you and you're like why did i pay five dollars for that because you needed that yeah you didn't know you needed that but you mm-hmm. need it we can't walk around acting like we're not trapped in these things that have grotesque sides to them sure wouldn't you agree <laughs> i don't know that it matters <laughs> well, if you agree or not yeah,
2: um, but when everything's yeah, no, on the record, I, it's harder to like that of video. I agree. You have to
1: whisper to your friends.
2: I like I my like takeaway from out. everything you just said was: yes, you it. gave a per- perfect dissertation why uh, intelligent people should not be on Facebook. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> tell me, take, go, Kevin. No, I mean, I, 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 make the joke that I'm on. I'm, I'm not on Facebook. I'm on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's true, and I make the joke because it's based in reality that i don't i don't need to communicate with my friends in that way and have it be a public forum i also don't give a shit about most of the stuff my friends post and think and f- show me of pictures of their dog eating parts <laughs> I'm on Twitter because I clearly need the love and attention of total strangers.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. That's that's like stand-up. You don't want the audience filled with people you know. You At would all. like a nice yeah. random yeah. group.
2: So so the documentary I, I directed that you asked about that we're circling back to, it's called Misery Loves Comedy. And it, it, the, the thesis was you have to be miserable to be funny. And it's a talking heads about 60. You should have been in it for sure. But I booked it myself and we didn't have, we hadn't met and I had no – Contact and sure. blah blah blah. I think I saw it. I,
1: I it might. Have, how how old is it? It premiered at Sundance 2015. January, then I have January seen it. 2015. Then I want to see it. That's what it is. is. Yeah. I've heard about it and I want to see it.
2: It's available most ways you get video. Isn't Tom so, Hanks in it? He is. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Fallon, uh, all, all, Amy Schumer, all kinds of people. Yeah, so, yeah. So yeah. so so I went beyond the initial thesis of do you have to be miserable to be funny, and it grew out to talk a lot about who are these people that, that get on stage and be it a theatrical stage or a stand-up stage and, and elicit laughter. Mm-hmm. The, the single most ridiculous scenario to get yourself into in terms of setting yourself up for uh, tragic disappointment. Mm-hmm. When you get up and do drama and there's silence you don't know if it's good or bad. That's right. Okay,
1: that's what I, I. That used to be one of my save lines. I was like, sometimes I wish I was a dramatic actor because <laughs> if I said something and there was a pause, you'd just be like, "How moving." <laughs> that's right. That's right. Oh, he's that's, trying yeah. to break us. Yeah, but a comedian, you know, he's yeah. failing.
2: So, so the same way that there's a, a need in all humans for that inappropriateness that you were describing, articulately beautiful, beautifully articulate. Um, there is a need for attention. Otherwise, Facebook wouldn't be a multi-billion-dollar comp- company. They, hey, my, look at me disease is what I call
1: it. Look at me disease. Hey, look at me. I call myself a look at me, and my girlfriend is an ICU. That's not to say <laughs> that I'm not sometimes an ICU to her, but yes, I'm, I'm with yeah. you. I'm tracking. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. And everybody has this.
2: Yes, they do. This which is the is Andy why, Warhol thing. Which is why, though... A uh, reality star is a president, which is why Kim Kardashian, with no necessarily uh, um, discernible. discernible talent, uh, has become a marketing phenomenon Yeah, and, and unfortunately is looked up to by the youth, mostly female youth in yep. particular, of the world. Your girlfriend. Not just the nature. No. She's you see, not I'm breaking, breaking young. young. I'm, breaking yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm breaking balls. I love it. Out of love. <laughs> <laughs> out of love. That's right, folks. Not out of an attempt to get to elicit laughter. Context. That's computer.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just trying to love you. I wasn't even trying to. That's reply. right. That no, was your was. hug. That was your reaching over and hugging. That was dad so, giving you a 20. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> don't, don't tell your brother where you got to.
2: <laughs> so, so, yeah. So, uh, I have I, um, I've, I've driven off the, the track of the point I was driving at, but that's okay, too.
1: Oh, wait, no, we can find it. Oh, we'll get back to it? We're going to find it right now. Uh, Facebook, so... You yes. were saying, everybody's a look-at-me, everybody yeah, so, has a look-at-me disease, so and they're the page, performing, and the page, you, Twitter, Facebook, yeah. smart people.
2: The page thing, you know, that's how you got in trouble in that scenario that you depicted for us. Right. You, you, you saw something wildly inappropriate, loved it in, involuntarily. That's right. And, the and let the, the, the person know who posted it. Yeah, oh, man, that was great. Thank you. Um... Because it's a public forum, there's a problem. If it's a private forum, there's no problem. That's right. Because the, then the people who really know you and you really know and you care about each other in this private world don't judge you, don't need to call you into the boss's office and say, what the fuck do you think you're that's right. doing? That's right. So that's why I am really down on this public forum. What of changes who F- Facebook?
1: It changes who we are and it changes how we communicate. That's right. Because we now have. I would liken it to a political persona. Yeah, you have to have you have to toe. Suddenly, we're all walking a line. Also, the thing about the future coming and the
2: internet and all of that, as it expands and we can't control it, clearly mm-hmm. hacking of things,
1: Pandora's box. Oh, buddy.
2: So I think sometimes we have to pull back in our own personal lives and mm-hmm. efforts uh, in terms of what what I what I'm okay with and what I'm not okay. Instead of just say, well, that's the internet,
1: just let it be. right? No, no. Uh, you you can, what I, the role it plays in your life? What, yeah. You're okay. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then you'll meet someone every now and then. I think it was Denzel Washington. I worked with him, but th- th- <laughs> many years later, saw, him, saw him mention, <laughs> having nothing to do with me, just saw him mention, I think on a talk show, I, I, don't have, I don't have email. I don't really use a computer. And I thought, okay, well, now you're a little like Elvis. Yeah. Uh, with the Memphis camp around you. What do you mean you don't use it? But there I realized, <laughs> oh, well, that that's the same as me saying I'm not on Facebook to someone who can't live without it. That's right. There's no difference. Yes. He functions wonderfully by picking up the phone and having a human conversation. And I will say, um, I've, I've done a number of movies. I don't know the exact number, 78. But of all the... <laughs> six of them, good. Of all the... And there's a tag. Giant movie stars I've worked with, Denzel's the only one who... We hadn't met, and we were about to play best friends in this film, and five, six weeks before we start shooting, I get a call, hey, it's Denzel, we should probably go have some dinner, and we went to Genghis Cone. and we sat there like two idiots for three hours telling each other our life stories, because back then there were no podcasts, and we had no other way of doing yes, it. Yes, <laughs> that's right, two fingers so, on the table. That's right. Yeah. So we just got to know each other over over this three-hour dinner. And it meant the world to me then and has meant the world to me to this day, that personal interaction. So I think my pulling back and saying everything I want to share with my friends, it'll go through text and email. It doesn't yeah. need to be in this public or forum. dinners with Denzel. Or dinners with But Denzel.
1: imagine – see, this is what's fun. Mm. You and I both try and have uh, podcasts that are at that premium you know when it's good man you put the knife in the bag and you snorted at the deal and you're like that was a real conversation but sometimes if you're ha- if that conversation with Denzel had been recorded and released He might have gotten in some sort of PR trouble. I'm not saying he said something offensive when people are really guard down. But that's like the juice. It's like, oh, here we are. It wasn't me writing on your wall. It was me in a place where it didn't have to be on the record. Maybe let's say it's something as innocuous as like I don't like brunettes. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? That could upset brunettes. And Denzel wants brunettes to see his movies. Sure. And forget, like, showbiz. Hmm. Maybe Denzel's mother-in-law is a is a brunette. Like, you're in trouble now. Right. There are things that you just want in that hypothetical, right. metaphorical Amsterdam nightclub or here. What yeah. was that dinner like? What's do you, I, I want to interview you, but you'd you tangle no, no, that no, in my no, face. No, no, That's no. a good one. Yeah, I mean—
2: I I stopped apologizing for name dropping a while ago because when I worked with and it's about to happen again the great Jack Lemmon Walter Mouthat, and Walter Mouth on the Grumpy Old Men movies Jack Ooh. Lemmon would Glen Deere, Glen in Glen. in his in his everyday conversation uh almost every time he spoke there was some reference to a moment in his life so in other words I was doing off camera lines for him and so for those unfamiliar, there be a camera over my shoulder aimed at him. It's sort of my point of view, my POV. And my face is right next to the camera, so he can look at something... While he's talking. And some These actors don't that, do off camera. I was just going to say. They'll say, get my stand in the stand there and Jack can look at him and do right. the lines.
1: I've heard you worked with Tommy, C., Tommy Cruz? I've Cruise. heard Tommy Cruz doesn't do his own.
2: He loves doing off camera. He lines. does. Loved it. Stayed well, there till the end of Dawn.
1: There we go. You never one know. One who... rumor yeah. shut down from um, the sky.
2: Uh, it's, but, but, but I'll give you stories about people who were, were dicks. I mean, that's one of the reasons <laughs> I put the book out, was <laughs> to champion people who were great to me. And then the few who weren't, because they've only been a few, yeah. to really, you know, un- under known certain terms, only because it was funny, also, what happened. Sure. Like, there's this thing about, about Michael Clark Duncan, and I promise I'll get back to Yeah, no, to, fine. To, and, uh, he passed away six weeks before the, my book came out and the publisher called and said, you know, that story you tell my Clark Duncan is not necessarily flattering. It's funny. It's very entertaining. But, and I know it's true, but it's not flattering. Yeah. And he died today. And I yeah. just saw the news. So we just want to give you the option as to what you want to do with the story in regards to your book. Sure. And I said, I thought for four seconds and then said, you don't get a pass for dying it happened and it was funny and it was horrible what he did and there it goes yeah. it's a thing
1: everybody's a there same. were witnesses yeah 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 well oh. uh, which i'll tell you yeah, also sure. sure
2: happy to because yeah, it is a funny story but um, <laughs> did we finish the other thing you, oh. you Mike oh, so Dungan, jack so jack so jack lemon every Lemmon. sentence was um he says do you mind doing off camera lines to me and i said <laughs> Of course, I don't mind, Jack. My goodness. He said, Well, well, you know, Marilyn never liked to do him. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, he's not name dropping. That's his reference. That's his point. life. That was his life. Right. And so, why am I apologizing every time it's I. Like, yeah, when Bono What was, is your intention? Yeah. We're going to get back to what is my intention. Yeah, yeah. My intention is to tell a fucking story. Right. And that not, happened and a thing that moved me. And I'm a fan first forever. I am a character actor. I'm not the star. I'm more enamored with the people I get to work with right. than your average Joe because I'm actually having a firsthand experience.
1: Right. And it, and it heightens that we talked about that, and that level of being in it. I love it. It's yeah. good to be excited yes. with what you're doing. Oh my goodness! Who wants to be that? That's alive. Like, yeah, that's alive. Yeah.
2: So I'm doing a picture <laughs> called um, uh, "Whole Nine Yards," but please, one of you remind me to circle back to because I just for. remembered we got lemon. I, I I did my best to leave Mr. Jack Nicholson alone while working on a few good men. Ooh. But, because everyone was bugging him, I really went out of my way. What do you want me to remind you? So Just remind me, I'm doing this picture of Chinatown. Chinatown? Yeah. You were in Chinatown? Nope. That's how Jack started a story with me. Uh, I'm doing (laughs) this. Exactly. 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 I'm doing this picture of Chinatown. He felt the need...
1: To, to Tell you, yeah, yeah. Oh my God! Well, the story I'm in this war called Vietnam. Yeah,
2: there's the story. The story <laughs> that's beautiful, and he had to reference what film it was, but just the way it went down. So, so I'm doing the whole nine yards, and it's a night shoot. And uh, Michael Clark Duncan had just come from shooting the Green Mile; it hadn't come out yet, but just oh, he just come from shooting the Green, in the green mile. mile, the big. He's the big black the guy. That's who guy. we're talking about? Yes, okay, Michael Clark Duncan,
1: MCD. My uh, yeah. So. Uh, He's also in Pulp Fiction, right? Nope. Ving, oh, I, I just confuse Rames. him with Ving Rhames.
2: Yeah. Again, your intention is not to be racist. I know. These two men are similar I was, to like, you. As
1: I turned to Katie, I'm like, you got to uh, take that out. You <laughs> is that what that, that look out. means? Yeah, that's what that look Oh,
2: terrific. Means. Also, maybe take out, you know, uh, uh, when trying to remember who Michael Clark Duncan is, Pete said, you mean the big black guy? <laughs> you might want to... T- or leave it in, because it's funny. Um, because, again, your intention is not to be anything yeah, other than
1: quantify... You mean the guy with the red hair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's- I didn't have a problem with the big black guy. I had a problem with it. people... Yeah, you, that's, a, that's a thing.
2: But is it more of a thing than Jack Albertson, the actor from... Um, uh, uh, Willy Wonka? Or G- there's another actor that's kind of like Jack Albertson... If I, yeah, if I it,
1: confuse Ed Harris with uh, with Vigo Mortensen, do you get upset? No, right. So this is the thing about the correctness
2: that makes me crazy. Yeah, it's the guilt. Oh, I wasn't supposed to say that. Right. And I don't care if anyone else says you're not supposed to say that because I will my, defend myself simply with what was my intention. My intention was to qualify who the my fuck I was my intention was
1: trying to tell the audience who this. And I, I blew it though. <laughs> now we have to leave it in though. Yep. So good. So so. Uh,
2: I'm sorry, Michael Clark Duncan, the big MCD. The big black he guys, died. to Pete Holmes.
1: MCD died.
2: MCD did die. <laughs> he died a couple of years ago. Um, oh, no. he died six weeks before the book came out. Oh no. So so I, the movie is a whole nine yards, uh-huh. and it's a night shoot. And again, Michael Clark Duncan had just come. From, MCD had just come from shooting the Green Mile, where he was, in fact, that guy. And everyone on the set of The Green Mile had said to him, you're so great in this, you're going to get nominated for Academy Award. Mm. The movie hadn't come out yet. He did ultimately get nominated for Academy Award. But mostly when people say that to you and you've been around a while, you say, that's very kind, but seriously, stop. I don't know <laughs> what it did to his brain, because by the time he got to The Whole Nine Yards, a silly little comedy, he was Olivier. And prior to that, he had done Armageddon. You know, And prior to that, he was not kidding. According to himself... In a bright orange vest, digging d- ditches for the city of Chicago, working for the city at uh, a great hourly rate. Oh wow! Um, and so by the time he got to us, uh, that 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 short walk later, he had been his head had been filled with with greatness, uh, uh, and and it's not easy waters to traverse. Good luck to anyone who tries this out. Not, he got nominated n- for not Green Mile. Green Mile, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah.
2: Um, and <laughs> lost to rains And uh he did not. He, he
1: did not. <laughs> great now we have to leave it in (laughs) shit (laughs) shit all right or take leave it in i made a mistake uh, yeah well there you go uh or did you
2: (laughs) because you were trying to remember who i was talking about and that was your intention so uh uh he gets to the whole nine yards and i hadn't really seen too many shenanigans but it's starting to float a little bit on the set that there might be a thing there's you know, he's not coming out of his trailer. What are you talking about? You know, th- those little tiny things that yeah. sometimes people do. And usually when I've experienced people in the movies do that, it's out of some sort of insecurity. They think this is how a movie star is supposed to act. So they act that way so they'll be thought of as a movie star. Um, I give people the benefit of the doubt. Of, there's there's some emotional baggage here as to why you're being a dick. Okay. Um, uh, so... <laughs> I come out, I knock my door, uh, ready for you on the set, Mr. Bollock? You know, it's the pimply face character <laughs> from The Simpsons. Ow! Yeah. Ow! And I come out of the, the, uh, the trailer, and um, there's a van waiting to take us the four-minute drive to the set from base camp. And before I get into the van, the uh, PA who knocked on my door, says, uh, here's your per diem, Mr. Pollock," and he hands me this big envelope. And the fun thing about per diem, it doesn't matter what you're getting paid, whether it's crazy money to a Bruce Willis who's in that movie, or not so crazy money, but still impressive to your average Joe, the money I'm getting paid in the movie, your that all that money goes into what i call the system it goes to the agents it goes to the financial right. people you never actually see it the per diem is it's often like a fine paid. whiskey
1: it's like triple distilled that's exactly
2: right <laughs> but but a whiskey you never get to drink
1: a whiskey that protects
2: your house and your holdings more soup with right? your meal yeah because yeah. this is the deal when you get a record deal so
1: it's rhyming deal with deal but
2: sure sure it wasn't me uh so the per diem is often paid in cash. So whether you're making twenty million or, or twenty thousand, this cash that comes in the form of six hundred or fifteen hundred or whatever you get is like an allowance, a weekly allowance from your parents. And, and it's the same, but everyone. it's but it's green. It's not the same amount, but it, everyone oh. gets a, a, an added allowance. Yes. And I've seen the twenty million dollar actors look at their fifteen hundred in and, and per diem and go. He, he, he. You know, honestly and truly. Uh. Yeah. Because they never see that $20 million, ever. It gets invested in the thing. It bought the house and the place. Yeah. It's not their money. So I'm signing for my per diem to get this envelope, and I hear from behind me the low, very low, powerful register of the voice of, of the aforementioned MCD, who <laughs> says, where's my per diem? And I turn around. Oh, hey, Mike. And uh, the PA... Uh, is already shitting himself. Oh! Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh! Well, all they gave me was Mr. Pollock's podium. Oh! Yeah. Oh, and, no. Um, well, and then Mike says, and I quote, How do we know that's not my podium? They put his name on it by mistake. And okay. I thought, okay. We've either just got to the edge of crazy town or we're entering. Um, Or he was kidding. Let's find out. And I turn turn around with the giving the benefit of the doubt laughter like you were kidding, right? But not saying those words. Yeah. (laughs) And Mike looks very serious. And the PA shits himself again and says, this is the only envelope they gave me. I'm sure yours is back at the office. I'll be happy to get it. Right. Right. Uh, and I say, yeah, yeah, Mike, that, you know, it, it, uh, do you want mine? No, I want mine. Where's my per So, yeah, you should go. You
1: offered him yours? You've Well,
2: I don't care. Uh, if, if his is back at the office, I I believe it, putting my name on that. Right. So uh, he he he's not going to take mine. He wants his. And, it's like and cum, that's okay. Did you see
1: Come Hell or High Water? I loved it. There's a scene where Jeff Bridges is trying to get the tip from the waitress. And she's right. like, this is my tip. And he's like, it's evidence. I was like, just give her $200. Just swap two hundred dollars and you have the evidence. That's right. That's right. Yeah, beautiful. <laughs> That's beautiful. what you were trying to do. Yes, you were like, here, take mine, right. knowing. Yeah, here let's, you go, Mr. Pollock. Let's
2: just get around this issue. Turns
1: out his is six grand. Right. And you're like,
2: <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. So Mike's getting into it a little bit with the PA about where the hell is his envelope. Why would I get mine and he not get his? Yes, yeah.
1: Is he as large as he's here? He's a very big, muscly man, right? They shot the Green Mound in such a way that he the
2: character in the Stephen King book, I believe, um, was like seven foot tall. Yeah. And Mike wasn't seven foot tall. He yeah. He was probably 6'2". two.
1: yeah, yeah. Um, which a is a
2: giant to me and yep. not to you, <laughs> a shorty to you. Um, okay, I'm just trying to
1: paint the picture. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. But but towering to to me, because uh, I'm picturing
1: the Simpsons kid. So oh, you better, oh, yeah, yeah. So it's a better story.
2: Yeah, you know he's described as pimply Face kid. Is he really in the Simpsons? Yeah, ah. I only know that because again, the better half is Simpsons uh, aficionado. <laughs> so um, they get, they get at it a little bit with the with the per diem. And finally, I say, uh, uh, he'll, he'll get your per diem. Promise him you'll go to the office right now and get his per diem. Yes, of course. Let's get in the van and go to work. So we get in the van. We go to the set. And I get out of the van, and I walk to where uh, the t- chairs are set up for the actors. And I sit in one of those chairs. Um, and then I'm joined by co-stars such as Matthew Perry and Bruce Willis. And Bruce is right-hand man of 30 years Uh, Stephen Eads, otherwise known as Stevie. So we're all sitting around, we're talking and laughing, and suddenly, you know, 15 minutes goes by, 20 minutes goes by, a half hour goes by, we're sitting there, having been brought up from base camp, and that's a little too long to keep John McLean. And he turns to Stevie... It's not going to be Christmas in 20 minutes. That's right, that's exactly right. He turns to Stevie and points to his watch, and Stevie says, yeah. And Stevie uh, finds the nearest PA and says, what the fuck, why are we still sitting here? You brought us to uh, the set. 30 minutes ago the PA runs off and goes to talk to or on the headset talks to the first AD whatever they're going up the chain of command we all go back to talking and shooting the ship because no one's really upset they're just curious what's the problem I understand so eventually the director comes over Jonathan Lynn British guy directed my cousin Vinny and many things and he says what was your
1: cousin Vinny in? my what was my cousin you directed my cousin Vinny in what? (laughs) in what? was he good? yes (laughs) I interrupt with in that word joke. play. That's what I do.
2: Oh. and this is why it's interrupt the staple much? of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, your audience is going, just let him. <laughs> or they're saying, no one cares about his story. Interrupt no, it more. No, so one of those two. That things. That is not. So so, uh, I and mean, they also the third part is going. He's going to keep going anyway. <laughs> you just keep jumping. Well, in. All, the,
1: all the millions of listeners. That's I right. Mean, just That's different right. People.
2: Let's talk to the third team of mine. So. Uh, uh, eventually the director Jonathan Lynn, comes over and um he says Sorry about the delay, fellas. Um yeah, yeah, Bruce or Matthew, whoever says, what, What's the problem? Well um uh uh Kevin, you might know something about this. And I said, What's that? <laughs> uh, and he said, Apparently uh Michael Clark is refusing uh, to go directly to uh, something about you stole his podium. Oh. And Matthew Perry stands up out of his chair having not heard any of what happened back at base what? camp because I hadn't reported to them what had happened at base camp. I had internalized it between Michael Clark Duncan and the pimply faced kid. I hadn't told Bruce yeah. and Matthew around the fire. No, it's barely it's a, not story. a It's exactly right. I hadn't figured out how to make it funny. Right. So it was just still too weird. So then... You stole michael uh, Clark's per diem? Jonathan says, and then Matthew stands up and says, "Why would you steal his per diem <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's a he's a building in tennis shoes so so uh i I explained that I did not in fact steal Michael Clark's duncan Duncan's per diem. and I told them what happened at base camp step by step yes um and And John McClane has heard enough and starts walking towards. Does he say the action?
1: I've heard enough.
2: (laughs) No, he just starts walking towards the action. Something about I'm going to set him on fire. (laughs) No, something, something. I'm paraphrasing.
1: (laughs) Um, He's going to handle it.
2: Yeah, and so and so I I stop John McClane and I say, (laughs) (laughs) I say, listen. I'm the only one who was there. If he's convinced himself and was able to get word to the director Jonathan you, yeah. standing here, yeah. that I stole his per diem, he's certainly going to maintain that story with you, Bruce. Yeah. But if I maybe if I go over there and say, "Hey man, what You were
1: also there." Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: So <laughs> John McClane eventually sits down and I go uh, I walk across to the area where Did he say
1: anything like uh, an ultimatum I'm like I'll sit down? But if this isn't done in 15? <laughs> like, there has to be something. And then Stevie willicy. starts the clock. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Stevie holds up his hand, says, wait a second, adjusts his watch to stopwatch, and says, go. I walk over to MCD, and as I'm walking towards him, I'm not feeling great about it, but it's something that has to be done. Really, we're on a night shoot, and I hate night shoots, and I want to just get back to work so I can get back in the hotel bed. So I'm walking towards him, and he turns, sees me, and turns, shifts in his chair away from my direction. And I thought, "Well, oh, good. This is going to be great." Yeah. So I finally what? get close to him, and I go, "Hey, Mike, listen." He's pouty. I and he interrupts me with, "You ought to think twice before taking a man's word deal."
1: That's that's what he. That's, that's a quote. That's it. That's, <laughs> a, that's so now. Now
2: he's the mayor of Crazy Town.
1: Yes. Yes.
2: He's not just a citizen.
1: Yes. And the mayor. Yeah. Gets a per diem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The mayor gets a. <laughs> absolutely, he does,
2: and a sash. <laughs> so I thought. Okay,
1: I need to talk to to that person. Can I just compliment your word <laughs> pull? I love a good word pull, and you found sash. sash. <laughs> yes, you found it. It and was you, out there, and you delivered it with pizzazz. <laughs> I did, as if it were scripted.
0: Sash. <laughs> the password
1: is. <laughs> uh, a mayor wears it. Uh, uh, a beauty queen wears one. It's like what Jesus a crown? wore. <laughs> no. Thorny. Um, no, no. I shouldn't have said Jesus. Forget Jesus. Across,
2: across the chest.
1: No, no. <laughs>
2: um, so I say to Mike, yeah, yeah, I, I, I should have. And I'm sorry. Um, I'll have them uh, uh, take that envelope from my trailer and put it in yours. I don't know what I was thinking. Let's go back to work. And I walked away. Because I thought, you know, if, you, if you're talking to a legitimately crazy person, you can't speak logic. Right. We've driven past logic. Right,
1: right, right.
2: We're in the parking lot.
1: What does my dad say? He says you can't be reasonable with unreasonable people. Mm-hmm. That's a good Jay Holmes right there. Or like
2: talking to a drunk. Sure. You know, at the end of the night, you can't really say, yeah, but if we leave now.
1: Right. Know. Oh, my God. Yeah. Or someone black out angry. Yes. Like you see someone black out angry, you just yeah. have to be like, you're right. You're right. Yeah. No one should have ate your Cheetos.
2: <laughs> yes. Yes. And be creative. The great Ray uh, um, Belize, who was. Uh, Charles. I wrote, wrote I, wrote about, I wrote about in my book that was one of the funniest non entertainment people I've ever met in my life. He's a reeler. But. Um, a, a, be creative, you know. Don't don't. Uh, what, again, what is your intention? So, if your intention is being creative when talking about crazy, you're not being dismissive or derogatory towards crazy people. And a homeless person who who wasn't without a job, they were without sanity. Was pushing a cart across a crosswalk filled with their live things, um, but again was. On the certifiable side, not on the down on hard times, right? And the, and the really, not
1: Will Smith in the pursuit of happiness.
2: I just saw the trailer for his new movie, and I said, "Is he just going to do movies about his brain now?" Oh, what's the new one? I don't know They're characters. He talks to love Another. and anxiety, and they they appear in front of him. Oh, really? Sure. Okay. And. Uh, uh, Inside
1: Out for Grown Ups. There
2: you go. Yeah. That's exactly I think it might be called Inside. It's, it's Out for just grown-ups. called
1: Inside Out, but it's written in cursive. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: so yes, yeah, so uh, uh across the crosswalk and Ray Belize said, Oh Lou, which was the name he gave my ex wife Lucy, Oh Lou, look, another one let go of the balloons. <laughs> and I thought, what a gentle, sweet way. You felt the need to make a comment yes. about the image of three of us are now looking yes. at through the crosswalk, another one that let go
1: of the balloons.
2: And I thought, that's one of the most creative things I've ever heard,
1: ever. So, uh. It's so good. Uh, can, it, can I just. Yes. Please. I've been saying constantly, hate hey, is a lack of imagination. So here you are. What's he doing? He's relating. We're all holding on to balloons, yeah, we all feel the effort of holding on to balloons, desperately and instead of going, look a weak person or a or an inferior person that lost their minds, they let go of the balloons. They couldn't do it. We've all been in situations where we want to let go of at least some of the balloons, yes, I love it. You've changed a lot of lives today. Oh, yay. (laughs) Another one. And that was on the heels of the... We're in the middle
2: of a great story and you... Why did you take my podium? No, that story's over.
1: We went back to work. Oh, good. I was worried he came back in full clown makeup and just started slapping your ass. (laughs) (laughs) Just your bare ass. He came back with a handful of balloons and Ah!
2: said, I don't need these anymore. (laughs) You take these. And
1: someone screamed, think of the dolphin. They, you know, there is a prologue. Oh. Or was that epilogue? Epilogue. 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 Unless there's, this is a news story. In which no, It's an epilogue.
2: <laughs> I, and those references to me mean the most from the TV show Dragnet, not from literature. Yeah, sure. Um, so the epilogue is I'm sitting on a beach in Hawaii, which I've done very few times. Yeah. And I can never really detach from the mothership. And I have a, a cell phone with me. Uh, and if you ever want to book a job is the adage in show business, book a vacation. So there I am trying to relax and the cell phone rings. And it is in fact, John McClain, who I've received phone call at that point, very few times. We've now done five films together, believe it or not, and and have spent time with him and his wife and his family and blah, blah, blah. You want to come in? We're alleged friends. That's him answering
1: the door. You want to come in? You want to come in? Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And then Stevie starts the stopwatch. Because there's a limit of time that I can visit.
1: Can I get you something to drink? <laughs> <You're> do- <laughs> He's doing a thing with his eyes. I'm right? doing a thing with my eyes. Yeah, just to help me get in the sure. voice because it's not quite right, but it's not quite wrong. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's quite. It's not as good as your first draft of who did we get to hear for the first time? You did an impression, and you were like, "That's oh, Larry David's laugh." Continue. <laughs> so you're yes. on the beach.
2: So so on the beach, it's John McClane. I answer it, and he says. Hey, man. Hey, 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 Bruce, what's going on? He says, uh, just got the word we're doing a sequel to The Whole Nine Yards. And I said, that's great. Um, I don't know if you remember, but uh, my character was killed in the first one. So uh, under the guise of Ain't No Money Like Sequel Money, are you calling to rub it in? He said, no, you're going to come back as your character's father. In full prosthetics, and it's going to be hilarious. And it, and it is ultimately not a good movie, but it is the funniest character I feel I've ever played, actually. Laszlo Gogol, like 80 year old in the white I shock hair, Bruce Willis. And the Lou Wasserman glasses. In
1: the makeup trailer with you going, like, This is hilarious. Yeah, this is hilarious. <laughs> that, like, that's what he loves. That's sure. what he's been waiting for. <laughs> this is so, what I like.
2: So I say, Is everyone coming back to do the sequel? He yeah. says, Yeah, except for Michael Clark Duncan. That son of a bitch can suck my dick.
1: No, no, no. Yep.
2: no. No, no. That quotes in the book and now it's on your show. No,
1: you were sleeping and you dreamt all of that. That is that is a great <laughs> That's a John addendum. Because yeah. you were uh, you know, you you took the high road. Well I was gonna I, say you were the bigger man, but come I, but on No no. <laughs> Could never be. And funny. But but uh,
2: It wasn't even the high road, it was how am I gonna get out of this? Yeah. If I continue down the path of what the fuck are you talking about? Right. I'm talking to a crazy person or a drunk or or an unreasonable. I
1: wonder if we can like explore extreme. Let's say Mm. this is just an experiment and it's going to be brief because I don't think we can do it. But you're Michael Clark Duncan, Stevie. Stop watching. What would have to (laughs) What would have to happen? For you, someone would have have to, you'd be fresh off an anecdote. This is what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm in your trailer with mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I'm your trusted friend. And I'm like, you know what they do a lot with the per diems? Mm, what do they do? They'll give your per diem right. to someone else. And the reason they do this is because if you get your per diem for tax reasons, they have to, so they take a loss, like some sort of jumbo, jumbo momo. And so if you, if they try and pull that, I don't have your per diem thing, just know they're giving it. To Kevin? I mean, I don't know. I'm not good enough. You can't even create. I can't do it. it. Yeah, right, right, right. But there has to be. You know, what about. Or the, it's just clean burning. I'm the king. I'm a. No, what about Oscar if it's. The, what about if it's
2: a friend in the trailer saying, look, when the pretty, sometimes the pretty, they don't, they don't give it to the actors unless they ask for it. Like if you see them giving it to someone else. Yeah. You have the right to stand up and say, where the fuck's mine?
1: Yeah. Okay. Cause That's it, good. Because it, it isn't
2: that they forgot it.
1: On accident.
2: Right. It's that sometimes they go, well, don't give it to all Amen. the actors because if they don't remember we owe them per diem, we won't have to pay them. Right. And the few that remind us we need to pay them, we'll pay them, of course. Right. But for those that don't, look at all the savings.
1: What I want to know is – Now, if I had is... a friend
2: who got in my ear and said that, then that would justify here's me saying, what's what the missing. fuck's my per diem?
1: But, okay. But here's what's missing yeah. is also – Mm. If anyone intercepts someone on the way to your trailer to give you your per diem. And says. And says anything, hello. Sure. They'll give it to that person. <laughs> <laughs> so it's anyone. That's all I can do. Larry,
2: here's the per diem. You bring this to Kevin Pollock or anyone on the way. Am I clear? What did I just say? Say it back to me.
1: <laughs> anyone. And go. Anyone along the way. Go. I, and we also all have the image of Michael Clark Duncan, in his majesty, letting go of the an balloons. up level, an up number of balloons. Yes. And just giggling. Did you see Arrival? Sweetly. I didn't see Arrival. Okay. I've been told it's good. Saw last night. Enjoyed it. I don't S- want to hype it. Saw Moonlight Never, never a good idea to, to hype. You see Moonlight? You ever, you ever do the I'm going to go art house over of Blockbuster? Of oh, course. Oh, I yeah.
2: see almost everything. Quietly I, I proud?
1: Like. Yeah. I'm quietly proud when I do that. and I, I think I made the right choice. I like, I like Moonlight a lot.
2: I I have also heard wonderful things about that.
1: You did. You did not see it, not yet. It's good. Is there time? There's time. Okay, good. There's still, <laughs> I'm, I'm and relieved. that's award season. You're going to get DVDs yes. all in your mailbox. So we have a few fires going. We have, and they're all celebrities, and we can move on. But you did mention. I Circle asked you back. about that dinner with Endel. Yeah. Because you know what it is. It's not just celebrity. I'm not looking for like. Was he rude to the waiter? That's gossip. I'm looking for anything that you've been picking up from Denzel or other people. Mm. Those little Steve Martin-like nuggets that go like, oh, this is the perspective of someone who's been able to organize their balloons Mm. in a hate I – I don't hate it. I don't know if it's quite appropriate. High-functioning way. In a way that their flow and their essence is coming out of them. Their life is good. Yes. they're, They're experiencing the moment. You told
2: me an amazing story. Hit it! Did I put this in the book? I don't know if I put this in the book. Sometimes when you share a story in a book or on a podcast that goes to millions of people, you have to then think, this is something that happened to that person who shared it with me. So yeah. it's their story. I understand. Is it my right to share their
1: story? When it's Denzel and every time he sneezes, someone hands him $3,000 to wipe his nose, you can go ahead and have his story. Well, I don't know that, <laughs> I don't know that he'll mind because, because it's, kind, it's, a, it's a tale of –
2: Having faith in oneself, which is why he told the story. Yes. So uh, first he told me when he first got to town, he'd studied at um, the the uh, ACT acting theater training in San Francisco, my hometown. So we had that little connection. Um, and then he he said, when I first moved to L.A., you know, I remember on Oscar night, I parked my car across the street from Spago because that's where – they held the, the after party, you know, and I was sat there and I watched these people arrive and I just sat on the hood of my car and thought someday. Right. So I thought, wow, that's amazing. You actually did that. And then he said, you, you know, you have to have at some point you have to believe in yourself more than everybody else because they've all got their own issues and problems and agendas and things and, and jobs. Mm-hmm. Agents, you know, they're they're mostly more ambitious than their talent, so-called talent.
1: And he said, "You mean for themselves?
2: Yeah, yeah. It took crazy. me it was me even hearing that from Denzel it took me another twenty years to realize. Oh, right. The agents have about of their hundred percent time of their day. They have eighty percent has to go to the highest earning clients. They have to look after them first and foremost. Then they have seventeen percent to sign new talent. That's actually how they keep their job. It's to sign new talent constantly." That's what helps the business grow. And that leaves 3% to look after people like me and then 17 other people like me. Mm. And I realized, oh, this isn't personal. This is just what they do with their day. Right. When I'm frustrated by why, why am I the only one who gives a shit about the fact that I blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, Dan says, you know, you have to believe that to be your own biggest fan, you got to, you know, to perse- persevere and so on. So, but yeah, also, I like I, to
1: say, you have to see it before anyone else.
2: You do. And, and he if said, you
1: don't believe it, no one else will see
2: And me, here was he, here the example he gave of that. Mm. So he says, "I get the script for glory, and I'm doing I had done uh, the television show is mostly popular from a television show. Um, and my agent decides my acting quote is and I'm going to remember these numbers incorrectly but let's say it's 400,000 um, And they're only offering 250 for the part uh, in glory. And my agent says, we're going to get you the 400. And he fights and fights and fights. And the studio says, we've only earmarked 250 for the role. So whoever plays it, that's what they're getting. We would love Denzel to do it, but that's what's in the budget. And, and the agent reports that to Denzel. And Denzel says, Let, let's do it, man. This part's amazing. you know." And the agent says, and the agent's one of the greatest, most powerful guys of all time and he says uh, no i'll get the 400 and denzel says listen let's be creative go back and tell them that i'll take the 250 if i'm nominated for an academy award they double it to 500 and if i win the academy award they give me another 500 and and again i'm i'm probably off a little bit by, sure. by those numbers but sure. not by much right and ed lamotta the great one of the greatest agents of all time his agent says that's creative. Let me go back with that. And the studio said, if you play poker, the studio beat him into the pot with the calling of the bet. That's how quickly they <laughs> said yes. Because to them, they got their 250.
1: And also, what if, if the kid wins an Oscar, if he wins an Oscar, more people are going to see this movie.
2: But I think they're even more short sighted than that. Oh, I think, think so? they're just thrilled that they got their 250. Ah. And yeah, sure, kid. When, when you get the Oscar, we'll give you another 750. You got it, pal. Right. He said, "Anyone who read that script would know. Whoever plays this part, if if they're any good, they're going to get nominated for Academy Award. It's just it was just written that way. Yeah. And if you hit it well, which I believe I will, then but he's betting there's just no stuff. And and yeah. I'm willing to take the short money up front and invest and bet on on what could be. There's this is no like way to Keith know.
1: Ledger turning down Spider-Man to do Brokeback Mountain. Mm. He's saying like I want to carve this type of career and." He, they were award minded. They were big picture and, and short money. Yeah. And they weren't playing with poker term. Scared, scared money. Right. They weren't, they weren't worried they'd lose. Yes. Yeah.
2: So I just thought that was pretty spectacular in terms of. That's phenomenal. Yeah. In, investing, but also just figuring it out on, right. his, on his own. Right. How about we try this?
1: Right. Um, yeah. But did he win? He was nominated and won. He nominated. I thought his first one was Training Day for Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor. Because I remember him not winning for Malcolm X, which was sure interesting. (laughs) To say say the least. I just rewatched Training Day. That's a good movie. It's can I say this though? Please. I was watching it. I was watching it alone. I was having a ball. It was just so fun. And I was like, he's the coolest guy. He's the coolest guy in that movie. He's obviously a sociopath and crazy, but he's so cool. He's so Denzel cool. Uh But there are moments where I'm like, he's being silly. Like, he calls Ethan Hawke, and he's like, you know, we'll patrol around, but most of the day we'll just be in the office. And then they're in the car. It's a classic line. And he goes, when are we going in the office? And he's like, baby, you're in the office, right? Mm -hmm. So there's a very human, silly, comedian side of this character that's like – I'm going to tell him the first time we talk that we're going to spend most of the day in the yes. office. And then he hangs up and he's like, God, I can't wait for him to ask where the office is. Ooh, I can't wait. Yes. And it looks like a real corny kind of white boy. And it's going to be so funny. And he sits and he goes, so where's the office? And he goes, baby. But then what if he blows it? Baby, you're, Ill. oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> My day is ruined. I couldn't wait to say, baby, you're in the office. Fuck. I love thinking of cool people yeah. uncoolly planning how yes. they're going to be cool. Yeah. Still a great movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: 1991, the news breaks. I'd like to take you back to this moment Mm. and all your listeners because sometimes I feel I need to qualify and quantify how ginormous this moment was for the human race. It's announced that Magic Johnson is HIV positive. It was the first time that a iconically famous family man contracted the disease and it was no longer their disease it was our disease right. but it was a life-shattering what the fuck just happened mm. situation it was is this ebola what the fuck's happening right oh you mean people were every heterosexual concerned. on the planet for the first time yeah who hadn't had empathy for the situation? of
1: remember that playboy interview that jack nicholson did i it, it's it's uh dangerous a little bit, but not not his intent. Uh-huh. But he was like, I love the gays, but it's a gay disease. That was the attitude. Right. He was like, me and Warren Beatty have unbagged sex constantly. Mm. And then here comes 1991.
2: 1991.
1: I only say that to give a little yeah, bit of sure. my own context. I was like, Absolutely. People were bragging about how not threatened they were. it was
2: it was in the consciousness if you were a, a very empathetic forward-thinking person then of course you felt the impact this is tragic what's happening to them of the course. way that i feel about gay rights being human rights and and gay marriage falling under human rights and this is absurd and so on so so in 1991 25 years ago when this news hits we have the lakers authority and Jack Nicholson on the set of A Few Good Men, and I noticed as people are trying to process this information. This story goes
1: back to Jack Nicholson. This story after I just interjected yep. with
2: him. Ooh yes. boy! I thought you knew that. I did not when. Um, wow,
1: loved it. Yeah, needed. That's great.
2: So, so everyone is. I noticed crew members, cast, are approaching Jack, looking for answers. Yeah. What What does this really mean? How did this happen? Right. Right.
1: I see people doing that now. The people that are shocked by the election go around. Yes. If you see, I saw, I was at an event with Norman Lear. People want to hear yes. what Norman Lear has to say. Right. Someone that's right. seen a lot of stuff. What yeah. do you have to say?
2: And in the case of Jack, literally travels with the team. He would be he, he. I don't know about now, but in 1901, he, he was a courtside at every game and would travel with the team sometimes, two games, if his schedule allowed. He, he was and has been, he's still a courtside. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, when schedule allows, so everyone's asking the Lakers' authority, "What does this mean? What does this mean? What does it mean?" But what they're really asking is, "Is my life okay?" Mm-hmm. And they're looking to him for answers. So later that afternoon, after I'd not spoken to Jack, the preface being I I went out of my way to to cut Jack as much space as possible, even though other people felt it very easy and comfortable. He was very gregarious and silly and goofy at times, which I found surprising. (laughs) I thought somebody that cool to six generations. I'm not even sure how the math works.
1: Baby, we're in the office. (laughs) That's right. (laughs)
2: That's right. He's that guy. Uh, He really was that gregarious and silly, but I still left him alone. I just didn't. If I didn't have something. Specific I understand. To I say, exactly what you mean. I'm not going to you up and make small talk with him. Right. Um, so I found myself released from the soundstage over Culver, walking back to the trailers, which is maybe a 70-yard walk. And I'm walking back to the trailer, uh, and I hear someone sort of mumbling, and I look to my left, and walking kind of in tandem is indeed Jack Nicholson. And he's sort of talking to himself. That's the mumbling I heard. He'd been released around the same time, and we're now walking – 15 feet apart at the same sort of pace, towards the same goal, our trailers. And he's mumbling, it's surreal, the whole thing's surreal, it's just fucking surreal. And he gets to his trailer, and he puts his hand on the knob, and he stops, and he turns back to me, someone again who had not engaged him much. Even though we're technically co-stars on on paper.
1: Wait a minute. Did I order the code red? (laughs) Even better. I haven't read the script. Did I do it? Yeah.
2: (laughs) He instead looks back to me and says, you want to know surreal? And I put my hands underneath my chin and say, yes, Jack. (laughs) I want to know what you think is surreal. I actually say nothing. I just nod yes. And he says, I'm doing this picture Chinatown. And again, I step out of my own thoughts, put my hands under my chin and say, I'm sorry, Jack, did you just start a story with I'm doing this picture Chinatown? <laughs> I'm doing this picture Chinatown and I'm rehearsing this scene with John Houston. And you have to understand the man was a, like a surrogate father to me. He meant more to me than my own family. I worshipped the ground he walked on, but sincerely. And we're rehearsing the scene And I see over his shoulder his daughter, Angelica, has come to visit the set that day. She's about 50 yards away walking towards us. And I, uh, well, I had just started banging her about two weeks before and hadn't figured out a way to tell the old man. I didn't want to upset him. I didn't know how upset he would be if I told him and I felt horrible about it. It was a betrayal of sorts. He meant so much to me I would have killed her if that's what he wanted. And I'm... Thinking about all this and realize I'm rehearsing a scene and I come out of my own thoughts back into the rehearsal at the exact moment that his character says to mine, Mr. Giddish, are you sleeping with my daughter? Now that's surreal. And he turns around, he walks into his fucking trailer and closes the door. (laughs) And I'm looking around for a witness. (laughs) Did anyone just see what the fuck just happened? (sighs) And like the forest and the trees, no, (sighs) no one said no one was there. Oh my God! And I hadn't told anyone that story really, uh, other than a few close friends, until I went to write the book. I never did it on stage. I never talked about it because, again, it was his story, right? Right. right, right that incredibly right. fucked up thing that happened to him. Right. But I had my own story to tell. Yeah. Which is that someone from Mount Rushmore laid some shit on me. That right. was his version of surreal. Right. And it completely <laughs> fucked my brain
1: for life. It's an amazing.
2: So tale. now it's my story. Yeah. Right. That well, thing, that moment, that day. The telling is my story. That that he laid on me is his story. Right. But I was
1: there. Why? Why a guy he hadn't really conversed with? I like these things. Uh, Katie, note the time here because I'm going to tell a thing that I need to get permission to use. I think it's stupid. But mm. the person that told me the story, who will remain nameless, told me this a good Tom Hanks story. Mm. And then, was, and then I said, Can I tell that story on my podcast? And he goes, No.
2: Wow.
1: And I'm like, But here we are. I'm going to try and talk him into it. Okay. And we'll see if it's I'll safe try him. to help if I can. It's also 15 seconds long. It's it's not, oh, yeah. You could ask if T. I Hanks. I can. Oh, sure. Of course. It's so innocuous. Here we go. Tom Hanks was remembering his early days. He lived in this. Um, whatever, he lived in New York, he was struggling as an actor, and he'd have to go to this building to pay his bills, Mm. and he had a certain amount of dread associated with this building. Uh, He'd go and he'd be short, had this, had that, he'd have to plead his rent, whatever. It was a bummer of a place. He's in New York recently, and he's like, I think I'm right around the corner from that temple of disappointment. He walks around the corner and it's a goddamn Bubba Gump Shrimp Company. Oh my Oh, my God. Let that story be out there. Yes. That's not... Oh, I don't think... How, could, how does that betray who,
2: Tom Hanks at all? Who, who? So the person you know, was Tom Hanks told him yeah, that story? Yeah, I believe so. I can't fathom that Tom would be upset. It's a great story. I don't even know what part he'd be upset about. That he had too much reverence for having for feeling weird
1: about this place, that he made his bills? That he had a quiet moment of extreme gratitude. Who isn't rooting for Tom Hanks? Um... Yeah, it's and then he flicked a lit cigarette at a homeless person. That's a bad story. Tom just, has
2: told me that story, and I'm now giving you pre- permission to tell. Is it. that true? It is true. Shaking. <laughs> <out. laughs> Look how happy you are!
1: It's a good Look story. How happy. First of
2: all, it's a it's like you said, it is a nothing story. It's a
1: nothing story. It's only good. It can't
2: possibly. Upset it can't him. hurt
1: anyone. No, no. You, uh, I love old t- – t-, t-, t who else is like Tom Hanks? When I was shooting my show, mm. HBO show, comes out in February. Yeah, can't crashing. wait. I, can, I, I really hope you enjoy it. Uh, I feel like I'm going to. Ah, thank you. I appreciate that. We would play a game called Who's the New Tom Hanks? Who? Like the nicest person? Nice. Uh, he knows this. Barbara Walters said this to him. Uh, sexy, but not really sexy. Not Brad Pitt sexy. Like you can – see him having sex, you know... You're Without like, puking. Exactly. Yeah. But you're not like, oh, I I'm constantly rubbing one out to Tom yeah. Hanks. Yeah. But, you know, so, non-threatening is what I'll say. Yeah. Every man, right. family f- seeming nice. It's really f- nice. You, you're you making big now. Who do you put in that role? Mm. Now, of anybody. I, I. We played this game for hours. Wow. If there's any compliment, we can give Tom Hanks. It's like, who is it? Some people would say, um, who plays the Hulk? Sam Bad with everybody. Who, Mark, Ruffalo? Mark, Mark Ruffalo? People mm-hmm. with I, I I see too much uh,
2: reverence for acting and sincerity in Mark Ruffalo to have him be That's what I'm saying. the charming Tom Hanks. There is a wink
1: yes. behind the I'm going to say Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd. That's pretty excellent. Yeah. And you know who else is in the running? Sure. Not just saying it because of the bloodline. Colin Hanks. Oh, absolutely. I saw Colin Hanks in, oh, yes. in Elvis and Nixon, well, well, uh, uh, yeah. and I was like, oh, shit. Yeah. I don't know. I know Colin a little bit. I hope he's not offended. But I was like, there's his dad in the good way, in the good way. I don't think there's any offense to be taken. Be like your dad. We need you. <laughs> we need a new Hanks.
2: Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I know the feeling you're talking about also. Um, it's called "Make America Great Again." <laughs> member, member berries. Are you watching South Park? No. Oh man, they have this great runner this year. These member berries, these little tiny grapes that that bounce around. And member, member Chewbacca. I remember, I remember. <laughs> and all this member nostalgia crap built up into "Make America Great Again." Yeah, because people wanted—certain people wanted it to be the 1950s again.
1: You know what I was thinking about? Glad you, glad you said that. Sure. I feel serendipitous that you said that because I was just thinking about this last night about making America great again and specifically what we're talking about. And I landed, as you did, on the 50s. Yeah. Because I'm trying to make sense of our current time, however you feel about the election. And I was like, why are the 60s better than the 50s? I'm just saying that. You could disagree. As far as a, a time period that I'd like to see more documentaries about, it's the 60s not the 50s, Hmm. because there was opposition. Alan Watts talks about positive and negative creating the charge. Hmm. Atheists and believers creating the charge, the juice, the vitality, the richness of life. And believe me, again, I'm just sitting Shiva, but in my attempt, I was like... Could it be a time where opposition brings out some juice for us? I don't know. I wish it wasn't a fucking crazy person. I wish it was just – you know what I'm saying? I do know what you're it saying. It changes things when he seems so unstable, but like you, you get what I'm saying. I do
2: know what you're saying and I don't – yeah. I, I think there's a great chance in those recent uh, – albeit a, sh- a, sh- a tad uh, tardy – the great protests – were the first indication that you might be onto something.
1: That's kind of what I was thinking. When
2: tens of thousands and then hundreds of thousands of people take to the streets and right. say no, no, no. Right. Um we rarely get that. That's the charge. And sometimes it's meaningful, sometimes it isn't, like the right. one percenters became kind of a bullshit thing. I understand. Um uh and and uh yeah. So
1: it's tricky man and I I, it is tricky I feel ground. like it's too early to t- try and draw some sort of zoomed out perspective on this but I'm like the 60s had a lot of people opposition there's afraid, no opposition in the upset, 50s and and the 50s are fucking snoozes. There... It's milk delivery and banal sex with your wife and just like move up that giant skirt betty. <laughs> that's fucking boring. <laughs> There're no good movies about the 50s. So you,
2: so you didn't like Mad Men.
1: No that's the 60s. Uh
2: does starts. it start? in, in no, the late
1: 50s? It starts in the mid-60s. The 60s is roughly 1965 I don't think that's true. Look it up. I bet you $100,000 cash.
2: Wow. Well, I'm not going to take that. <laughs> you
1: seem very, very certain. I just want... I'll, I'll take it in chips. It begins in 1960. In March of 1960. Six-zero. Six-zero. Yeah. You,
2: you said mid-60s. We're very I'm gonna, close. <laughs> I'm going to need,
1: need $100,000. I knew um, it was in the 50s.
2: Yeah, yeah. Because the 50s stink. Well... 1960 was the remnants of the 50s. So what I'm saying is... Um,
1: I feel the, like I owe you at least
2: $15,000. I'm going <laughs> to take 1500 and we're going to call it a very funny joke.
1: I'm going to give it to Michael Patrick.
2: <laughs> the, the, yeah, in memorial. Um, the 1950s, I think, is so a sort of squeaky clean and allegedly innocent... And wildly misogynist, and all the things we know to be true now, but were the time um, because of that so called great war. If ever war could be great, it showed what we were capable
1: of it was the as a people. Days. It was salad, days.
2: is the term that
1: people use. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I understand that. Yeah. So, there was a sense of accomplishment that
1: i don't think this country has felt since then, and that is funny that's something Norman Lear did talk about like winning the war and all that sort of stuff and the and the pride pulling
2: together as a nation
1: bipartisan
2: and helping you is not, and all that yes it happens in great floods and hurricanes right and and here it happens somewhat globally. social relief right. Uh, get on the phone, help these people, right. we come together, it's not a political Donate thing.
1: your silks for parachutes, that yeah. sort of thing. I mean... Yeah, I, I hear that. Seeing how, for the first time I feel in my life, how there can be a national vibration. Mm, right. I can't imagine what a national vibration would have been... Was not the 60s. ...in the positive.
2: I, yeah, see, the 60s is where you had both sides becoming represented. But this is and where I you I agree really, with you, where it was juicy and fun and exciting right. and drama and...
1: This is something that's I try to use in my life and it's i 'm being honest and i 'm saying this for the people that are, are not happy. it doesn't necessarily work when you 're in it, so uh, that 's why you know sometimes people think we'll look back on this maybe with a different but now we 're in it, and it's just pain or wh- or whatever it is for you but um uh, You think about it like, oh, this is is a good episode. This is an interesting episode. You know, you're like. Clearly this was
2: necessary. There's a lot of denial about whether or not it's correct, but it was necessary Mm. because it happened. It needed to happen. The proof of that is it happened. That's interesting. So how we rise from it or don't. Will be told, as you said, the story is is going right. to be told
1: later. And it won't feel like a good episode now, and I'm not saying it does, but maybe later we'll go, shit, we rose up and things were, yeah. we fucking shook shit up. This came from that,
2: and that came from that. A zoom and...
1: out of 8,000 people marching, you know, and I'm like, hey, okay. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of like telling uh, someone who, someone just died. And it was a bad murder. Mm-hmm. And you're at the funeral and they're like, hey, at least I got to see Aunt Diane again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel good. Right. It doesn't, you're not like, ah, that's the that's plus. Maybe later you'll go, hey, I got to see Aunt Diane. Mm-hmm. Ugh. These and other things we won't solve right. in a, a quick conversation. Right. But I don't know. Um, where were we? <laughs> Denzel doesn't have email.
2: <laughs> That's the name of my second book.
1: And you're, try- <laughs> and you're trying to <laughs> unplug and be here and all that sort of stuff. Well, we're at the 90-minute mark, which is exactly... I feel like I could talk to you forever.
2: I should probably mention that I directed a comedy that just dropped on uh, Netflix.
1: Oh, I'm not wrapping up. Oh, righty. Like, we we roughly go about two hours, but you dropped... Tell us. No. No, no, no. No, I, I will not. I, I feel bad. I will wait. If it seemed like I embarrassed you, tell us now. No, no, no. I thought... I Misery thought, loves comedy. I thought
2: if you have a... Uh, a a time for these discussions. I'll wait till the end. Okay.
1: I, I, yeah, I'm fine. You can if you. I
2: don't think it's bad. Well, I mean, I could talk about the process if you're at all interested. I am. Because as a person from comedy, you know, I had a theory for a long time when I when when I decided I w- did not have any interest in directing a movie. Uh, I felt like you know the closest I got to that was stand-up comedy, because as comedians, were the writer, the editor, the director, the choreographer, the performer. But really the important ones are editor, director, writer, performer. Hmm. And those four hats uh, uh, are sometimes worn by a film director. A lot of times they don't also write. Um, and also I didn't have the – I wasn't – I'm not a control freak. I, I'm okay even if, if I feel I'm the smartest or the expert of the topic of the thing. I'm still okay with with uh a collaborative effort. Let's hear what everyone has to say. Okay. I don't need to be right because when I feel I'm right, I feel I'm right and I don't need everyone else to agree. Mm-hmm. That's just what I've evolved into. Hmm. So when I was asked to direct something before, it was, well, you know, first of all, it's a year of your life, and I can do three four five movies in that time as an actor, and it's, it's a lot of work, and I'm lazy. And an actor, by union rules, works 12 hours, and my theory is 11 of those hours collectively, you're sitting on your ass in the trailer, or wherever you choose to sit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not even a job. Uh, when I hear actors complain, I think you should slap them uh, for about a day and a half but i don 't you had to sit in the mud for that shot mm. um, Are you speaking directly to all me? to all actors yeah <laughs> so uh the the need to direct hadn 't occurred to me until I did the documentary, and I had uh almost sixty hours of these interviews. Uh, as it's a Talking Heads documentary, and and I had to edit them, so I had uh, a great, great uh, special effects guy, and editor, and second unit you know, director, friend of mine, two-time Academy Award winner. Is not important. Um, uh, Robert Legato, sh- sh- show me the basic six, seven steps on Premiere Pro for editing, mm-hmm. and I, uh, uh, the fine folks there at Adobe were. Hooked me up, and I got the system, my laptop with two monitors, and I edited sixty hours of material into a story. There was no script, there was no story. Mm. There were just sixty hours of interviews, mm-hmm. and I thought I gotta try to create a bit beginning, middle, and end. So I got hooked on a new version of storytelling, which we've been doing as stand-up comedians. Uh, in my case, since the age of ten, so um, I loved the editing and the that part of the storytelling. And I started thinking, "Ooh, maybe I do want to try to do this because I interviewed, as, as you have uh, other filmmakers on, on, my, on the chat show, and people like Christopher Guest had always said, my favorite part is the editing. It's the final rewrite, of course, but it's also when every moment is, is decided. Mm. Uh, I've got options for every moment, the tempo, the timing of a delivery. I can come out of that person and beyond the person's reaction as that person finishes, you know, the, all those choices have to be made. None of them while you're shooting or, or rewriting, you think you see it,
0: mm-hmm. right?
2: Mm-hmm. And then you see it. So all that sounded interesting to me. Um, and, uh, and the script came along, the late bloomer. It's based on a true story about written in a book about a guy who did not go through puberty until the age of 30.
1: Oh, wow.
2: Yeah. In the book, I think he was 28 in the movie. we oh, rounded it up to 30. Exactly. We have your checks, sir. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> uh, he had a benign tumor resting on his pituitary gland, stopping testosterone from being released into his body. He did not realize this. He thought he was a freak and an anomaly, never told anyone, made up stories about losing his virginity. But the truth is, as a five, year old when we all start to think, oh, she's cute, And you have thoughts, knew he was attracted to girls, but when puberty came along to his best friends at 13, 14, 15, he got nothing. Mm. And then... Eventually became a, a source of embarrassment and humiliation, and he kept it a secret. Don't you just become a wizard? And then you become a wizard.
1: <laughs> You're just like, <laughs> right. ah, I guess I'll learn spells. <laughs> like, I have to do something with all this energy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what does he do?
2: Invented the pet rock. No. He, uh, so so in, the, in the movie, because it's a fictionalized telling of this true story— He's a Ph.D. and he's a sex therapist because he's the ultimate lipness test. You know, he doesn't feel anything that you're feeling, so he can digest what you're saying. He's outside and, of it. And yeah. Um, and then he starts getting these headaches and he's rushed to the hospital uh, because of an injury elsewhere. And they'd run some tests. One of them discovers this benign tumor and they take it out. He goes through puberty. So, oh, boy, the comedy hijinks of the second act. Yes, there's a masturbation montage.
1: What choice should I have? <laughs> this is a great idea.
2: Yeah. So it's, it's a book. It was great, and they've been it, it had been around for a while. You
1: directed this film.
2: So I directed this movie, and and jerk I, it harder. And it came exactly harder. Come faster. <laughs> stroke me, stroke me, is the song used. Um, uh, yeah. And I, I, you know, and I, I, I did rewrites of the script just to sort of put my stamp on it as an as a comedian. You know, you want your voice on the page, also for the actors. I did a lot of the casting. Originally, it came about because my acting agent submitted me to play the father in this movie, The Late Bloomer. And the producer said, well, we love Kevin, but we don't have a director. We're hearing great things about his documentary. Maybe he wants to come in and tell us how he would tell the story. And that's how I ended up getting the directing job. So you had to interview for it, basically. Oh, absolutely. But, I mean, I went in and said, look, your first act is is horrible because everyone around our hero is a douchebag and a whore because that's what comedies are supposed to be now. And how about we care about everyone? Mm. And then when the second act comes... And he it goes through this werewolf experience. We actually can have more fun because we're emotionally invested. Mm. So it's a sex comedy with a heart, sex comedy that makes you feeling something other than from down there. there yeah, there yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then I cast J.K. Simmons as the father part. He had just won all the awards from Whiplash. This was a year and a half ago. And um, and Kumail and uh, Beck Bennett from SNL as the two best friends. Brittany Kumail's in it. Yeah. He, he, Kumail and Beck Bennett oh together my God. Oh my God. I are such... a comedy team that I, I beg you, if for no other reason, truly, yes. you've got to see the movie. Oh, yeah. They're unbelievable. And I people mean. cannot believe they hadn't worked together. Yeah. And people cannot believe they don't have a movie set up already for the two of them to do. They're yeah. that. They're just the timing. And these are guys who had barely met before starting the film. Wow. And I let them improvise almost all their stuff. Wow. Yeah, so, so, and, and Brittany Snow as the girl across the hall from the Pitch Perfect movie. Steals your heart, makes you cry, makes you feel. Um, Maria Bello as the mother. Jane Lynch I called in a favor to play his boss. Um, oh, sorry, who is the late bloomer? Uh, Johnny Simmons. Now, this is a great actor you're about to hear more about. Uh, um, but he's, you know, uh, um, Perks of a Wallflower, Jennifer's Body, uh, Scott Pilgrim, whatever that was. Let's just put them all. Yeah, the a lot who of is stuff. Who
1: Scott Pilgrim? I don't know. Ooh, didn't see the movie, uh, but we can pull. Oh. Up, she can pull
2: up his face, and you'll look. No, that's okay. Um, anyways, he's spectacular, and it's a tour de force because he's got to go through all those. <laughs>
1: oh, I didn't mean to sound dismissive. I'm just like transitions. I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I'll look it up later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I see a, the movie.
2: Like in the beginning of the film, you know, he's like Starman because it's like in terms of.
1: I s- think I know who he is. Does sexuality. he wear glasses?
2: No, but I bet he can. I bet it's in his special skills uh. on his resume. British accent. Also can wear accents glasses. glasses. Okay, keep going. <laughs> um, so yeah, he's really, really solid and wonderful, and not a comedian. So he really had to learn, and was a great student, and 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 was devoted to becoming an old Jewish belt, borscht belt comic, hmm. uh, as he explained. Um, but really pulls this off masterfully, and then great people like Ken Marino and and. Um, the gang's all here Lorraine Newman and Ileana Douglas great and cast and Dor- Doyle Murray and I just kept filling in and also I hang out I'm on the west side so where you came into the chat show I hang out a lot at the west side comedy theater so I pulled in all these great improv people from the theater to fill out the cast as well in fact Vanessa Raglan who works a lot of Groundlings also plays Kumail's wife and she steals a lot of their scenes <laughs> um, so it was a phenomenal experience the casting was just a great experience right sure and Paul Wesley also from the Vampire Diaries plays the douchey boyfriend that, uh, with the girl across the hall. Um, and there again, here's another example how I think as a comedian you might be interested in this directing thing. So in the script, the boyfriend of the girl across the hall is a total cheating scumbag. We've seen that before. We know that she's going to leave him for our guy. Mm-hmm. And when it happens, it's not much of a revelation mm-hmm. because he's so despicable. Uh, so I said, "How about instead of a cheating scumbag, he's just really busy at work. He doesn't have enough time for her,
1: mm-hmm. and that's frustrating." He's on the beach. He's talking to Bruce Willis.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Bingo. Uh, button. <laughs> uh, you know his his. I think in this modern life, for for either side of the partnership. If you feel neglected yeah. constantly and not a priority day and night, yeah. it can really eat away at you more so than you had an affair. What well, do you mean you had an affair?
1: I just read this great article about turning towards or turning away. Mm-hmm. When somebody makes a bid, an emotional bid, if mm-hmm. if, if you're uh, my partner and I go, this is the best water I've ever had. I don't really care that you know that I I'm saying – essentially, do you see me? Like, do you see me? I'm having this water. And if you just validate that, if you turn towards me and go like, that's, it's premium water, or whatever that your comment might be, you're just kind of echoing back, like, you're there, you're there, I see you, you're there. As, a way, as opposed to turning away, they're, they're sure. boiling down, this is what successful r- relationships are. Mm. If I say, I look at that bird, and you're like, that's lovely. You know, it's not about being phony, it's just about being like, I see you seeing the bird.
2: Instead of saying, I don't care for
1: birds. Instead of saying, I'm watching TV.
2: Right. I don't care about the bird. Why, why am I?
1: So you're having a guy that's turning away. It's more elegant. Yes. It's more yes. subtle. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yeah. You, you and just, it's real.
2: You just boiled down all the 19 reasons, last 19 reasons I heard my better half say, why do you hate me? <laughs> was Is because, that true? It was because I was either watching something or re- reading something or writing something. That's funny. And she wanted uh, to share something. Yeah. Uh, which is why i don 't have children chose not to because I knew I would be horrible at uh can you give me a minute partner i 'm just trying to finish this. <laughs> All right, what is it you wanted? Because I'm sure whatever was important to me is meaningless! <laughs> you shouldn't be yelling at children. Why are you yelling at children?
1: Well, I bet kids yeah. make a lot more money You bids. can't
2: discern between the importance of what I'm doing, seven-year-old. Yes. So I should turn away from it and
1: give you everything you need. That's what a dad is. A dad is about to cut the red wire on a bomb. Mm. And he has to go, those are chicken fingers, buddy. Those are chicky fingies. Yeah. then <laughs> you're back to the bomb. That's right. I guess yeah. It's hard for us to realize it's not a bomb. It's you emailing about your fantasy football.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, or
2: or you know there are those moments that feel much more like a bomb. Sure. Uh, at any rate, yeah, so so those parts of the, the process, the rewriting, let's make the boyfriend not a douchebag. He's just too busy, and he's yeah. const- She's not a priority. This is not her version of love. She's it's, very. very uh,
1: you know what it is? It's uh, lost in translation. Giovanni uh, Ravisi, Sure, he's busy. Absolutely, he's not an. Asshole. She's alone. She didn't She's go to alone. Japan to be alone. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, and from his perspective, which you can see, he's working. Don't come to Japan. You knew I was. Yeah, working. Yeah. Why would you? <laughs> why would you sit around all day in your
2: panties? Wait, now I know. Because uh, the camera's on him. Whoop. Yeah. Woo. Woo. Woo.
1: That's a four barker. Uh, sometimes it's fun mm-hmm. to like. Let go. Lady Parts of the you, balloons. because they're everywhere. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's great.
2: So, well, so I highly recommend to comedians to contemplate this new version to you of storytelling, because once again, you'll be the writer, the editor. You'll yeah. add to it the casting director. Um, and, and all the directors I'd interviewed on the chat show about the process of it, and you have to have an answer. I was just listening to uh, Terry Gross interviewing Francis Ford Coppola, who's finally releasing a book on on his notebook he kept while doing The Godfather. Oh. so now he's finally in press. It's just talking w- about wine
1: company? Question mark. <laughs> right, Merlot crossed out vineyards. Should I? <laughs> <laughs> That's what true yeah. passion.
2: Bill, Wine billboard. <laughs> you can almost see Coppola on the ah. bottle, but not completely. <laughs> Will people know that
1: it's mine? <laughs> yeah. So He's doing a book about his notes on the Godfather.
2: Yeah, and he was just talking about the pro the casting. He's talking mm-hmm. about um, fighting for someone he believed in. Actor wise, studio didn't want Brando. They didn't want really Pacino. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. What? No, they wanted people of the time. They, you know, if you can get and then name the people today, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Ryan Gosling, whoever those people are, that's who you go to. You have to market these things. You have to. It's all, everything's cast contingent. So back in the day, it was Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill should, Robert Redford should be Michael Carleone. And he would say they don't look like – he does, those actors do not look like what I see as Michael Carleone. And then – Get a
1: well, wig, Frances. No, Robert Evans said <laughs>
2: because of, the, because of uh, 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 French breeding that uh, it got in – and Coppola mentioned this. That's how I know it. Got into Sicily. There are a lot of blonde, blue What
1: What is this? True romance? Sicilians,
2: <laughs> for sure. Yeah. There are.
1: Um. Oh my God! So yeah. they argued. So they argued
2: and said wow. you cannot have Pacino. And the kid he, stays in the picture. There you go. And he doesn't stay. But in the he picture. didn't.
1: Nah. The kid doesn't <laughs> stay in the picture. Yeah.
2: The kid grew up to be bitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then run the picture.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so so
2: so uh, yeah. So the 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 casting process. I would talk to directors about the editing process. You know incredibly funny gifted people like Chris Guest whose new movie Mascot you know you see you just let these actors go let them improvise and do 17 minute takes and then go into editing and figure out how to make it 90 seconds yeah um, what a great puzzle it's just a beautiful magnificent puzzle sure. and stand up any form of writing is always about editing it's always about editing rewrite rewrite well, rewrite Steve, rewrite Stevie rewrite,
1: Martin rewrite. he goes uh, the conscious the subconscious writes the conscious edits edits yeah, yeah. great line
2: yeah and and so there are aspects of it that I just loved, truly. Um, and I was a gun for hire, so it wasn't my material, but I had to find a way to make it my own. That was a challenge I hadn't felt mm. before. Mm. Um, it was a little tiny movie, $1.8 you know, so it was very, very small. No money for anything or time. Pretty New. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, and there was a barely craft service. Uh, oh, look, there's a bagel run. <laughs> uh, you know, the producers did the best they could with the money they had. And, um, and, and so, so the, the parents. The other thing, right? <laughs> the other thing that kept coming up was among the directors and filmmakers I interviewed was you have to have an answer for everything all day long. Everyone's coming up to you because you're the final say. So right. do you want the blue dress or the red
1: dress? Yeah. And I, I would notice Judd doing that too. He'd have like a strong opinion. About – when you say strong opinion, it sounds like code for you. Sure. Hard ass. That's not what I mean. No. I mean you'd show me two shirts. Sometimes they were Polaroids of me. Right. Ah, This one's fine. And be like, you got to do the green. Yeah. And it's like, okay. Right. This guy has an opinion. Yeah. It's like you learn how to get better having an opinion. Well,
2: at some point stand-up comedy is trusting your instincts. And here I liken it to being a boxer. You can have people in your corner. You can train. But once you step in the ring – you will live and die by your own wits and instincts. Yeah.
1: That's like Shanley. Yeah. He saw a parallel.
2: Yeah. yep. Mm-hmm. So I felt like we have our instincts. And then when you're directing a movie, you have to have an instinct decision about what shirt to wear. And you develop that instinct over time. That's right. As to why, within the composition of this shot, he will look better in a green
1: shirt. Right. And I, by the end of the show, I, in fact, I would come home and I'd tell Valerie... I'm still in yes no mode I just need she wouldn't be bugging me I'd just be like just know that I am right on the surface so I'm making a lot of right quick decisions yeah Chinese you know what I mean (laughs) no we shouldn't watch a movie (laughs) Because that's what you're doing. And sure. that's why I always loved inviting her to the set and stuff. It's like, you need to see... Why I'm yelling. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it sounds like we were having problems. We weren't. I'd tell you if we were. But it was just like so much yes, no, yes, no, yes, yeah. no, yes, no, yes, no. Yes, no. Or, what? Is this a good shot? Yes, no, no. All that sort of stuff. Yeah. And part of that has, you have
2: to learn and believe is your instinct and opinion... And where it, it, one of the things that annoys me most in life i found when interacting with other humans is when they state their opinion as fact mm. within a discussion that might be otherwise known as a debate over a topic. Mm-hmm. Where opinions are shared and the person who states the opinion is fact thereby dismissing all of the yeah, opinions. Yeah, that's
1: right. A microaggression. Is, the, is a truly annoying really an aggression. person. Yeah. yeah, it's nice to find phrases – there were phrases that I, I felt like I had to learn. I can't really remember them. But some of them, like, that, that's not my favorite. I like saying right, is that's a good great. one. It's is better than like, no, yeah. it's wrong. Yeah. It's not my favorite. And very often yeah. I would do an impression of myself where I go, I don't think this shirt works. I think we should do this shirt. And then I was like, wait five seconds. I think we should do the first shirt. <laughs> it's just like there's this yeah. knee-jerk reaction to the fact that somebody's coming up with two photos of shirts. And yeah. you can't really trust yourself. Right. So you have to be open to being wrong a lot. Yeah, but at the ultimately, you have to use your instincts, is what you are saying too. Yeah, yeah. What was, what was the greatest lesson you learned about the whole thing, directing? I mean, getting it from your actors. That seems to be. Was there anxiousness I knew talking, there? I knew talking
2: with actors and getting performances and giving them freedom would be the easy part, and it was. It was sure, sure, because I know what I want. Yeah, um, I want guidance as an actor I was, and freedom. Yeah, I want guidance and freedom. Find the balance.
0: Uh huh. Guidance um, and freedom. Nice.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, the actor doesn't have to keep the big picture in their head. They got those three pages or those seven pages to do today. Right. And that's what they're focused on. Right. So sometimes I need to find a way to say to the director, I'm not kidding when I say what happened right before this, because I don't fucking know.
1: That's right. Um, That's so funny that you say that, because the joke that I, I sometimes I talk about acting and directing and. The one of the directions I remember Jed giving me, which was so simple, but is what I needed. He goes, remember what just happened. Action. Yeah, yeah. right. And th- I mean, it's because our energy was dipping and it's like, no, you're fighting. Yeah. I know we just had lunch. Yeah, that's right. But in the show, <laughs> you just caught your wife having an affair. That's like, right. Remember what just happened. <laughs> yeah.
2: Action. Yeah, but I, I also found a shorthand with directors where I would, I, and I still do make this joke, they would say, well, you know, you, you, you have to be more upset here. Mm. Because of the thing that happened right before it, and I would say, I got to read the script. I mean, my the guy that cleans the pool says it's fantastic, and 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 it diffuses uh, any frustration the director might feel that I I didn't figure that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By my saying, yeah, keep me attuned to everything that's happened because I'm focusing on this thing here. Yeah. So then as the director, you get to have that big picture in your head at all times, which I found a new challenge and very fun. And I love puzzles. Clearly. Yeah. And what the great thing about puzzles, like the tabletop pieces puzzle, is it's precise. Hmm. That piece doesn't fit there. Or no no mm. you're trying to get that piece to fit there and it doesn't.
1: Yeah yeah yeah. It fits over. It's not here. ambiguous at all. That's right. It clicks in. Yeah. So
2: it's not that rigid,
1: yeah,
2: which I love. So it's all open to interpretation. But it's still a puzzle because we have to figure it out. So if an actor was actress was struggling with a moment, I would try to figure out a light way of getting them there, mm. right? So if I wanted a lot more energy, I would say uh after a take, keep it rolling. I would rush in and I would whisper in their ear, I need 17% more. Hmm. And they would laugh because it's a, it's a peculiar number. He doesn't really want 17%. And I would run away and they just know that I want more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we have a conversation. Yeah, that's yeah. fun. That's really And they fun. feel like they're fully in charge of what 17% is. Isn't
1: that funny? Because, yes, it's not a massage. You don't go soft, medium, hard. 17. Yeah. What does that mean to you? It's
2: just, just, let's let's have fun while we're doing this. Yeah. It's the constant reminder.
1: Yeah, that's great. Yeah. What about as an actor? What's the greatest lesson you've learned as an actor? Mm -hmm. You're allowed to say listening, because I've asked this question to people before, but, you know, in that ballpark. Uh, What I'm saying is don't feel the need to be super original. It can be something. Yeah, no, I think. um, (laughs) Why am I putting these thoughts in your head? I think the worst thought you put in my
2: head was the use of the word greatest because that's too much pressure. Yeah. Why don't you come at me with what are some of the better lessons you learned? Because I don't know what the greatest is. I really don't. I couldn't possibly. What are some of the better? Like when someone says to you, what's your favorite movie? Do you have an answer to that?
1: There will be blood.
2: (laughs) But I always say, give me a genre. Because yeah, I, oh, I, like I can't that. put the in-laws next to There Will Be Blood. But because... you know what? I
1: just watched The Master and I was like, I like this just as much. I really do. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, go on. So, so, uh, um,
2: mm... okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a stand-up comedian first. I, I have no formal training. I'm not proud of that. It's just a fact. I hated class growing up. So the idea of going to an acting class had the word class in it, and I was instantly not interested. Also, who's teaching the class? Yeah. An actor who's not working. All right. Uh, I'm sure they know a lot about
1: that. Uh, your voice just keeps getting higher and higher. <laughs> I think it's so
2: weird. No, listen. I'm not here to judge. So, but, but I also was afraid That I would go to an acting class and they would say, you're horrible, you should stop.
1: Like a diagnosis. Yep. It's like going to the doctor.
2: Which is why it was written into the script when uh, there was a a look at the film and a a new editor came in and he said, I don't know what this guy's going through before they find the tumor. You know, Because I I kept it a secret. I wanted the audience to discover what was wrong with him when he discovered it. Mm -hmm. And that was my game plan. And he said, yeah, but if I know something's troubling I don't know what it is, but I know something's troubling him. That at least clues me into his emotional life in the first act. Then when we find out what it is, one of the questions was, why are his friends not saying, how the fuck did you not ever tell us what you were going through, right? And then give him a little meaningful explanation, which is, I was, a f- like, like Kumail, he says, why don't you just go to the doctor and, and find out what was up? He said, I couldn't let a doctor take away hope. All I had was hope that someday I'd be normal. If I went to a doctor, the doctor had a 50 50 chance of saying, This is the way you are. Right. So if I don't go, I have hope. Yeah. So, uh, I, I didn't want to go to class because I had the hope that I might be able to be an actor. And if I went to an acting class, the teacher could I, say, I love it. you're horrible. What a gem. Yep, you're horrible. But
1: that's, Just a little bit of hope. That took me forever to
2: realize that's why I didn't go to acting
1: class. That's so good. It wasn't that
2: you were bored in class. It was because yeah. you were afraid of being shit. What a trick. In the eyes of a profession.
1: It's like, why don't you go on a long road trip with your grandfather? It's like, what if I find out something terrible? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so I'm on. All my grandparents are dead. That was yeah, a fake.
2: Yeah, you example. know. Please, <laughs> back back to the set of *A Few Good Men* 25 years ago, the silver anniversary. Um, <laughs> J.T. Walsh, one of the great character actors, he plays Markinson in the film, the guy who, who shoots himself. Spoiler alert. Um, in your film? In, in in *A Few Good
1: Men*. Oh, *A Few Good
2: Men*. J.T. Walsh is a great actor. You you see Sling Blade? Yeah. Because in the very beginning, they're in the mental institution. He drags the chair up and he says, "That's J.T. Yeah. Walsh." Yeah, and Some people grifters. Call it yeah, all kinds of um, great movies. So, and he was a great um, sort of conspiracy theorist in 1991. That wasn't even a thing, really, mm. that people talked about.
1: You were just a kook. But yeah,
2: so so <laughs> I-, I felt it was comfortable to go to his trailer one day and confess. I've had no formal training. I don't know what I'm doing. This is a huge fucking movie and opportunity, and I think this is when everyone finds out
1: I'm a fraud. That
2: I'm that I'm I'm not at all good. Right. And in fact, one uh, the hardest day, and maybe the har- great lesson in getting back finally to answering your question is: there's a moment in The Fugitive Men where my character turns onto me more in the courtroom after everyone's left, and she says, "Why do you like these guys?" And my character turns, and he and he. He barks at her, his reasons for, for, for that. And it's about the bully, you know, thing.
1: We get a sense that he was bullied and mm. so on.
2: The character that Aaron Sarkin wrote that I
1: played was, is the conscience of the thing. Mm-hmm. Were you told this or is this your own script analysis? Uh, uh, I mean before acting in it. I think while
2: doing it, there wasn't a lot of conversation beforehand. While doing it, talking with Rob Ryan, the director, and Aaron um, it became clear. Are you a baseball fan? No. Okay. I, I was just going to give you the baseball analogy. Uh, analogy I like of, analogies. Okay. That Rob Reiner gave me. He said, look, Tom uh, is going to be swinging for the fences to try to keep up with Jack. Jack hits a grand slam when he walks through the door. So Tom's going to have to swing for the fences to kind of go toe to toe. That's what the whole movie's uh, marketing campaign is about. So that's what's going to happen. <laughs> Demi's going to be definitely swinging hard in order to keep up with both of them. She's a movie star. Yeah. You, I need to hit one in the gap, maybe drive in one run. <laughs>
1: I got everything
2: right. I got so, all of it. so my thing was the, uh, uh, he's conscious of the piece. You're going to get found out that you don't have technique and training. Uh, I worked with Barry Levinson very early on. The biggest lesson he taught me was: don't ever get caught acting. Just mm. be. Mm. If you can just be in the moment, then that's what you go to school for. Right. So I say to J.T. Walsh all these things. I don't know what I'm doing. Mamet,
1: Mamet, interesting actors are interesting people. I, I think that's yeah. true. These people are learning things about how to be all the time. That's right. Not that they're on all the time. Right. But they're present people. They're engaging people. They're that's interesting right. people. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So J.T. Walsh says to me, you're already doing a technique that people study for many, many years to try to perfect. And that is less is more. You're already so concerned about getting caught acting. You're already doing less in the scenes, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. It's, it's real. It's mm-hmm. believable. You're already uh, seemingly authentic. Mm. There's a second half to less is more, and if you can achieve that, then it's Nirvana. More is
1: more? Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> he says less is more, nothing is best. Oh, If you can do nothing in a scene, And steal focus or people's interest. Yeah. Then you win. Yeah. So I've – it's going to sound like a joke, but I've now made a career doing nothing. (laughs) I really have. I mean when I go into a role, it's how can I do nothing.
1: That's what Birbiglia told me. I was going into my first serious acting foray, if you want to call it that. And he goes, do less, Mm -hmm. do less. So every – Regardless of who directing or right. was directing, I always told myself, do less. Try it, do less. And some of the takes when I'm editing, I'm like, I wish I had listened to myself, mm. but we didn't use those takes. Right. Like, so we get to look good.
2: <laughs> yeah, because hopefully, hopefully, Look at adrenaline hopefully. takes over and there the cameras are rolling and someone yelled action and yeah. and, and, and the light is on you. It's been right. very carefully placed on you. Right, right, right. People have
1: meters. It's hard to not go trying to make the crew laugh. Can I say, all the takes where I made the crew laugh, none of it was used. Horrible, None of it was used. it was heightened. Birbiglia called them uh, video village laughs. Mm -hmm. Good for morale, bad for burning film.
2: Sure. (laughs) Or if you're doing digital, do as much as you want, because... For sure. Yeah.
1: I love it. Well, that was a great acting answer. You've given us a lot of gems.
2: Yeah. Less is more, nothing is best.
1: A lot of gems. We're supposed to talk about... uh, We don't have to... About God. We talked when we did your podcast, you told me that you are an atheist. Well, I. What? I, Someone just emailed me a great thing about it. Do you, if, sorry, I didn't. Yeah. You, did I, don't have the, I don't wear the title. I understand. I just don't this actually, believe in a thing. That's so funny. So somebody emailed me, and I love these emails, and that's true. Sometimes I don't take criticism uh, happily. I'll mm, take it. Mm. But I always take the atheist criticism well. Or happily. Criticism? Criticism, meaning when you talk about atheists, you're not representing us correctly. Here's what you should fix. And what she told me was, it's not that, uh, oh, God, I'm going to fuck it up. Oh, damn you. It's like- To hell. hell. Atheists don't believe there is no God. Atheists don't believe in God. Hmm. In a God. Right. It's not that they, it's not that bad stereotype that a lot of them get, which is, you believe that there is no God. They're saying, no, I believe- no,
2: I don't believe in the theory of the. Of, I don't of, of believe there being in, a God.
1: I don't believe in God. Right. I don't believe in a God. I don't, I don't believe that there is no God. I don't believe in God.
2: Yeah, there's just no... Do you see
1: the difference? I, I it's got subtle, it in a moment. It's
2: subtle. If you keep saying it, I see it less.
1: Yeah. No, truly. I know. I know. I'm losing it, like writing out the word No, if you geesh. say it once,
2: it, has, it yeah. has
1: resonance. I don't believe in a God. I, I don't... It, yeah, it's not the, that I, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: it's the it's the. So I don't wear the title of atheist again because it's the the important part is the the I don't believe part. So if you don't believe that gold is going to fall out of the sky into my hand, I don't need to say I'm a gold falling believer. <laughs> you know, I just carry that belief with me. That's right. Of course, golds aren't frogs aren't coming. Right. Right. So.
1: It was manna, Kevin. <laughs> it's the same thing. <laughs> and it oh, fell on your people. You're a you sh- know, there's just... What is, what is happening in the world when the goy believes that manna did fall? I don't know if I do.
2: You lost me at 40... And this is right out of my axe. 40 for, years. Forgive me. You lost me wandering the desert for 40 years. Yeah. In the sun, Jews, <laughs> two weeks tops before one of them says... Did anyone bring a map? That's very funny. Yeah. If you're going to make shit up, say, 40 weeks, that's impressive. Yeah. 40 years is instantly horseshit.
1: Well, you're dealing with an audience most people were wandering at that time. <laughs> this is something that Alexander Shia, who taught me how to read myth, uh-huh. partially, you know, other people helped. Yeah. Um, but he was like, if you're talking to a poor person... You say, that guy robbed me of a dollar. You're telling the story. You want him to feel lost. Oh. If you're talking to a rich person. You say, that guy stole $1,000 from me or $100,000 or whatever. So if you're dealing at a time mm. when people are wandered, wandering Nom- in general. Nomads was in. There were no hotels. You're yeah. just kind of kicking it. I mean, there were houses and domiciles and all that sort of stuff. Mm. I'm just like, you had to be like, no, they, they were out in the, in the bullshit for 40, if he says weeks, I'm out, years. <laughs> That's a God I can get into right right right, <laughs> so I'm with you but mm-hmm. it's 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 uh it's simultaneously baloney and not baloney, but yeah no so so
2: yeah, so i uh what is it I, I had in my youth those moments of quietness where I would speak to God. And, and do a version of prayer. You know, I went to Temple. We were Reformed Jews, which means we were Catholic. <laughs> uh, and so there was, there was guilt. There was all the wonderful things that come with that. But we were Reformed, so there was, it was a very lax. It was not strident. Was not, it, uh, temple was a, uh, a social yeah. experience more than the study of the Talmud. But I went to Hebrew school and was Bar mitzvah. So I had to study the Talmud. But because you're twelve and thirteen, in my case, respect for very little. uh, (laughs) I knew there I had heard tell that there was a record that you would listen to and memorize the Hebrew portion of your bar mitzvah ceremony. You would memorize it and then pretend you were reading from the Torah because you're not actually learning how to read Hebrew. In my case, I hear 17% learned the, how to read the letters and Seven. forming them into words.
1: 17. Favorite number, apparently. <laughs> um, so you listen to the record.
2: So, so like most of the other Reformed Jews who went to temple for social gathering and make new friends and hang out and have social groups. Um, I wonder
1: if Modest Yahoo had that record and dropped a beat to it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Baruch. So I got seven applause
2: breaks during my Bar Mitzvah speech. You did. And not. that's yes, I did. And you did. And that's the reference I have in my head even then it's... because I'd been performing I was lip syncing uh, uh, the wildly proficient serial rapist Bill Cosby's first album, No in the Arc Routine. Yep. I was lip syncing that at ten. I did it all through middle school and high school. We called it junior high a hundred years ago. Um, so by the time I was thirteen, I was a seasoned professional in my mind, yeah, on his sure. way to show business.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had a, a monikered robe.
2: Yep, okay. I built <laughs> applause breaks into part of the bar mitzvah ceremony is what they call the speech. You will then give your speech about what you've learned yeah. and your family and the thing. And to me, it was just a series.
1: And the envelopes. Yeah, and then, and then the Michael envelopes. Clark Duncan goes. <laughs> How do we know? <laughs>
2: How do we know that's his fountain pen? <laughs>
0: that's
2: a two-hour callback. Mm-hmm. Or is it? Uh, so, yeah. So so I remember praying at the bedside and having the thing. And then I remember smoking pot every day from 13 to 20 and thinking um, you remember maybe there's more here uh and fi- and and again oh, it it having kind of a teacher turned me on to Samuel Clemens and learn about the social satire you know he was the first one that sort of went on tour before there was stand up comedy and s- talked about politicians and, yeah. and religion um and and getting into that world and then studying comedians and then that became my everything uh it became well that's it my everything yeah and and I started to – I went through the spiritual phase um, of um, – I remember uh, my mom bought I'm okay, you're okay, hook, line, and sinker. It was a book and a movement. Yeah, I remember. Right. and I don't
1: remember. I've heard of it.
2: Right. And she said before a big basketball game, she said, what you need to do as you're going to sleep tonight is picture uh, dribbling the ball down court – Picture the, your teammates and the opposing team. Picture passing the ball around and then picturing when the ball comes to you, shooting it. And then picture watching it go through the hoop. Helping picture you all of that. Visualize Actually see the game. Go through it slowly. Don't be impatient. Actually do this. And I did as, as much of that as I could at 17. Yeah. And then that next day had the highest scoring of my life. Yeah. Couldn't pull it together to do that every week in any way, shape, or form. But there was this thing that happened, right? where you visualize what you want to happen. And then it sort of focuses you when you're doing it. Weird.
1: Being your own biggest fan.
2: Yeah. Believing it. Believing it. Yeah. So I started to realize do unto others makes all the sense in a human way. We're all in this together. As my old friend Dana Carvey said, you live once, max twice. (laughs) So if this isn't a dress rehearsal and this is it, because it's all you have, uh, some will believe there's an afterlife, some will believe there's reincarnation, some will believe whatever. But let's just focus on the here and now and today and tomorrow, what you would like to happen tomorrow. Then we're in this together. We need to care about each other. There needs to be a connection among the energy of each other, you need to appreciate people's energy. I've said something that's offended that person I should take responsibility for. Look at the many ways that we look after each other and care about your fellow man and give where you can. That became my religion and my faith in mankind. And the more that became my focus, the less I felt comfortable looking to another entity for answers or help. It no longer made a lot of sense to me because I had so much on, uh, in my real world mm-hmm. that was wildly interesting and, and exciting. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where the drift began and continued to the point where, where maybe it was only seven or eight years ago. I finally said, yeah, I, I guess I just don't – I haven't for a while thought of an entity as being real i don't um yeah hmm. i don't and then someone said we're well, an atheist i said okay hmm. and that's why the title doesn't mean anything the same way to me that the faith and in, in this entity has no personal connection anymore
1: but there you are in in the mix yeah loving your neighbor yeah i mean i say this all the time but jesus jew
2: sure a great Jew. Great tremendous Jew. Jew.
1: He actually did point a lot of Jews to be better Jews. Uh, not be better Jews, but be more uh, observant and good Jews.
2: The only reason the rabbis, who were the politician at the time, asked the uh, Romans, a.k.a. Italians, <laughs> to take out the guy in the forest gathering people was because he was uh, starting too much with the conversation <laughs> about uh, a better way. <laughs> and that threatened the politicians. And they put out a hit. Interesting That's my theory You've just retold the gospel I love it That's my theory The guy knows too much He's talking some kind of truth The only way we can control the masses Mm. Is to toe the party line Mm -hmm. And this guy's gathering too quickly
1: And he's he's setting people free And he's speaking a truth
2: That we're aware of And must keep quiet Right, right, right for, that's yeah, I, what I, I, makes sense to me about that historical story.
1: That's interesting. Right. I, I agree with you. It's very interesting. And, but he, yes. in the story, mm-hmm. said the law boils down to love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God. Loving the Lord your God, even as you're saying you don't believe in a God, which is wonderful, I think that's a great <laughs> – I love saying no God is a great God. Uh, you know, meaning – I mean that not to sound uh, sure. coy. I mean that's a gr- great choice. Um, choice, whatever. Interpretation, but uh, having some sort of reverence. There you are smoking your weed and thinking there's more, and here you are clearly an engaged, vibrant, curious, alive person. Sure. To me, that is loving. Yeah. Your, your Lord God. That is loving this world, loving the divinity, and me, and you, and the dog, and Katie, and the yeah, in everything. Yeah. And having some sort of reverence, some sort of perspective of like, wow, this is exceptional, and mm-hmm. behaving as such, right. behaving preciously. Yeah. And then. Don't fuck anyone over.
2: Yeah, don't fuck anyone (laughs) over. There was only a new perspective of a higher power Mm. when people close to me went through the program AA, where a lot of it it has religious overtones specifically about having a higher power that's more powerful than you Mm -hmm. to answer to, to feel responsible to. To base some of your decisions and paths on because you're too involved in your own uh, either lack of self-esteem, narcissism, whatever those things are that drove you're you malarkey. to – You're malarkey. Yeah, you're
1: malarkey. It's interesting. It, it reminds me of a uh, child visualizing a basketball game the night before mm. going, oh, OK, there's something. There's a mindset. There's a perspective, a higher perspective that can help me win the game. Yeah. Yeah. So when fiction
2: says all of their thoughts got together and created this energy that fed their better thoughts back to the collective and they evolved through this positive energy, uh, they kept evolving – how did we get from the cave to the tesla <laughs> that's mind blowing mm-hmm. the, the the survival of the fittest and what have you and the in the at some point there has to be a thread of think of your fellow man lend him a helping hand little love in your heart. there has to be so i think love <laughs> and um Compassion and empathy are my religion. Mm. Yeah.
1: I love it. That's all I got. I'm never here to change anybody, but for I for some reason I was compelled to be like, I just wouldn't change a thing. I think that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I,
2: I have reached beyond your judgmental <laughs> thoughts. I think that's just because lovely. it's similar, right? Of There's a connective it's tissue. It's
1: all the same stuff. It's yeah. all the same stuff. It's beautiful to see. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Well, my butt's sore. Yep. Oh, do your you want to do, do do whatever you do, want your Pacino to get out of here? Do you do you do Pacino whatever you'd like? I, well, we have the guests say keep it crispy. Here's my question for you.
2: <laughs> what year did Al Pacino become an old black blues player? <laughs> Something happened, right? <laughs> There was a time when I was sitting around and I realized I had yelled in too many films <laughs> in the nineties, and I started talking like this. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Keep it crispy.
1: <laughs> I'm glad I asked. Yeah. Ask and you shall receive Kevin, thank you. My pleasure. We're gonna shake.
2: Yeah, we are, for sure.
0: <laughs> now leaving Nerdist.com.